0: that was the monster final of 1944 I wasn't at it that <laughs> most people that went to that game had cycle to the final imagine if you asked people to cycle to it now
1: OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app
2: OTB AM with Gillette
3: get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar
4: Slightly later than build. Uh Very good morning to you and welcome along to o 2 Not that much. Uh, we're not that far off kilter. Johnny Ward. Good morning to you.
5: <laughs> That's a bad start. We're not that far off kilter. Johnny Ward. Good morning <laughs> to you. I mean, there's an oxymoron straight track. away. You can What's get his the correct track? How's life? Grand. Oxymoron reminds me of I was getting a taxi one time in Dublin and he was on about a, his mate in the Lebanon and they used to call him Oxy because his name was Morn. Uh, I just I thought it. it was great. Like um, the days in the lab. Yeah.
4: How's life? Oh, good, Colin. Adrian, Johnny, can you, can, are, can we allowed, are you all right? I'm all right. Morning, Kevin Kliban, how are you? I mean, more you, yeah, like if you de-stressed in the last thirty seconds since our little technical hitch? And we're now what technical hitch. We're now good to go.
6: We start well, every we morning at seven thirty-five
4: slash viewers that you know, seven thirty-six is not exactly the usual time. No, it's just a little bit of a technical hitch, but it's all good now. I mean, are you stressed? No, 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 no. no, no. no, no, no. It's, well, if you knew the answer, why did you ask the question?
5: rhetorical. Yeah, no, do you answer. remember the days where you'd go to bed and RTE play the National Anthem as you were, just to kind of fill the, the end of the night and they'd have, like, a raw Naveen to put you to bed, kind of? You are probably too young. No, I do remember I worked in a bar in college where they, play, they sang the National Anthem
3: uh, at last call every Monday night. Who did? The staff? No, no, the, the <laughs> patrons. <laughs> and the staff worked away, like, so you'd have the... Irish anthem being sang, and then the clink of glasses in the background as I'm putting the glasses away. With it's going to add to it, really, with all the, yeah, the nationalism take away from our national anthem. Anyway. No, it's so uh, in comparison. Like, I th- we talking about this recently when you hear like the rousing Italian anthem? Yeah, or the joyous Welsh anthem. It's a bit droney, isn't It's it? terrible. Zealand
4: very good. Most most anthems are pretty good. The, the English one is a bit of a dirge, obviously. But uh, and what do you mean, obviously? Well, it just is. I mean, obviously, in the sense that you've heard it a million times, and it's not, you know. <laughs> It's not like Wonderwall, what do you mean I've heard it a million times. It's, just, it's like an anthem like everybody else. Ours celebrating be the Queen's
5: the Jubilee? The Jubilee, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. obviously not. Yeah. A lot of brethren in on this island would be celebrating and, and probably like God Save the Queen, but I I'm I'm not a fan of You uh, say
4: brethren in like a really in a way that Makes me want to ask, ask you what you mean, but I'm uh, sure I should. You know, no, you,
5: prob- you probably shouldn't, but no, I've, uh, I've uh, uh, you know, we've a lot of different people on this island uh, who, uh, but getting back to the national anthems, uh, ours needs, <laughs> <laughs> actually, on that note, ours, uh, need to be, ours needs to be changed with a view to United Ireland, I think. I'm not, I'm not on the Sinn Féin boat of, like, let's plan for this inevitable United Ireland, because it's not inevitable, but I do think we need a new anthem, because A, it's anachronistic, and B, it's shite basically mm. so we need a new anthem like something I've been in like Cardiff for the Welsh National Anthem for like an Ireland-Wales game and oh my god yeah. and then our anthem will come on and you're like oh can we just listen to the Welsh one again mm. you know
3: well in that <laughs> case we would have sta- We would have gone first wouldn't we or no would we be we we'd have been first yeah in Cardiff that's good at least the appetiser yeah. to the main course got it out of the way but that's what our anthem is it's an appetiser well, to every play, other main they course they only
4: play for the away games in rugby they only play the um, Ireland's call yeah they don't play well, well, where, where
3: do you stand on <laughs> Ireland's call
4: uh, I don't mind it yeah I don't really mind it like I see I'm at the point now where obviously the kids are sort of getting to that stage where they're engaged with all that stuff and you kind of look at things through their lens a little bit mm. and they're mad into it like they're shouting and roaring it. I mean it that's not, your kids? Uh the eldest one's five
5: that's not a barometer for that's a not barometer for but, call but, is call is, is not great and he, I have to say laugh at Mary Lou what's, what's wrong with it I, I think there's a narrative out there about that that like it's it's okay but it, like the, the words are, are fairly like they're a bit kind of wishy-washy and you associate it with um, what, what, what would you? what do you kind of? want from your national anthem? Um, something like a really good melody for a start yeah. um, Ireland's Call is Midland and I have to laugh at Mary Lou Macdonald she's like oh, I wouldn't mind a new national anthem as long as it's not Ireland's Call she was saying during the week so uh, no like I, I'm, I'm big into national anthems it's one of my weird um, topics that instead of like
4: give us your top three
5: there in um, reverse order, in reverse order, uh, India, I mean I'm, Palestine I'm and Tibet. Are you being serious? Yeah. And they are, to go the, they are incredibly moving. Like no, uh, Closer to home, Wales and Scotland. From, a, the, from a,
4: Are you talking from a melody point of view as opposed yeah. to...
5: So the Indian National Anthem is, um, it kind of covers all the areas of the country, and like India is massive, but it's just a melody mm. written by the same guy who wrote the Bangladeshi National Anthem, which is beautiful. The Tibetan National Anthem is an old, sacred piece of music that kind of honours the Dalai Lama, but is banned in Tibet. Now, yeah. so a lot of these, like the Palestinian Anthem, the way the state is going in which they're occupied, um, they're banning flags, so it's probably banned in Israel as well um, but they, they mean something because I guess like the Ukrainian National Anthem the other night was a bit unique when it was played before the game um, but they're very good melodies and like and let's be honest the Irish National Anthem is it's hardly inspiring and also we, we can barely pronounce the words and we don't understand what they mean and if You, you do wouldn't
4: look, be a belter-outer then would you not?
5: I felt yeah. it out a bit but like I mean we've a we've a terrible attitude to Irish in this country where we've we learn until we're 18 and we can't speak it like so that's that's a problem but then the National Anthem sure, we don't even know we don't know what the words mean and we can barely pronounce them God, God, imagine asking somebody to write our National Anthem mm. we'd be in, not to mind the, the fact that the music is about as inspiring as like you know the bail or something I don't know
4: You've taken me back there because I was definitely expecting like you're actually properly international anthems. I was expecting yeah, the Italian, the Welsh, the French.
5: All, all of which, which I, have, I like. I know but like in college
4: like, my, my
5: my my mates were like probably, you know, scoring women or scoring men or whatever they were doing and I was listening to national anthems. So right. I, it took me a long time to kind of Jesus college must've been good crack was it? It wasn't really, no, to be honest, but uh, yeah, I, 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 at least I, I thought it was a way of discovering a country through music in a very, very quick way, like a minute of a song, and it actually does work like that, you get a feel for the... Not um, here, though. Um, no, The national here. anthem doesn't really capture us. It doesn't. No, doesn't. It doesn't. We should have a poll, yeah. Do you Actually, the, this is a strange thing, though. When there were canvassing people about United Ireland, of course, there was this ridiculous response, for, like, oh, well, we, we wouldn't do it if we had to pay more tax. Mm. Like, whatever that means. Um, but there, there were a lot of people who didn't want to change the national anthem, which is bizarre in the first place because, as I say, it is shite. Like. Uh, people don't like change. You know how you can rate a good national anthem? By the recorded
3: version and not the live version. So if you're hearing a recorded version with no crowd of a Tuesday morning in the office mm. and you're still, like, bopping along, well, that's a great anthem. Mm. Right? Your anthem can't be defined by the crowd singing along to it, which I think is the only thing going for an Ravine when you're at a match. About 60% of the way through people just start going
6: ah, 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 for
3: the match they just forget the words mm. but it's actually part of the anthem are you with me?
4: I am but I mean I just can't get away from the fact that it, the first thing I have to do post the show is go and listen to the Indian, Pakistani and... Well, Tibetan? you said it with such pa-
5: sincerity. Pa- Pakistan- I didn't. I didn't actually say Pakistan it was Palestine. Palestine, but right. the Pakistani anthem. I've given a few airs of that to many taxi drivers mm. over the years, and it's beautiful music. But the, I'll give you the video. The Indian on one. on YouTube, you need as listen. opposed to cappella. Um, <laughs> yeah, mm. I'll, get, a I'll give you the link to the Indian one performed by a, a load of artists in India. It's amazing, and and the the, 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 the local native instruments as well. Right, um, but. Um, yeah, the Armenian one tomorrow now is is quite nice and simple. So um, it get you I'm, going. I'm blown away here. Mm. Um, Colin, we we're already 10 minutes in. We are. I don't yeah. know what we're at now. because no, like, that was <laughs> the plan, anyways. That's
4: good. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, as planned as our technical hitch before we came on air. So uh, there you go.
5: Colin, you're the, welcome. The, back. The, la- the last story on this. This is the yeah, actual no last story. So I got a, a female taxi driver recently, and um, I think it was like our first week in the job, and she was an African native. But I didn't know where she was from. So I said, oh, where are you from? I think we had a few beers. And she goes, I'm from Biafra. Biafra is a secessionist part of Nigeria right. and I knew the National Anthem so she was ringing home to say you won't believe this is yeah. an Irish guy in the back who knows the National Anthem of Biafra. What
4: shape did that take you humming along or I'm, I'm intrigued now?
5: Um, yeah it kind of hummed along She's, the Biafra National Anthem is Finlandia by Sibelius which is an amazingly beautiful piece of music right. that you probably already know right. um, and it's just Biafra adopted it as its anthem so That's oh, like a good ma-
4: idea so you just went and stole Finlandia yeah, so we which, could
5: actually which we could do Yeah, like, but, but what like, if if you wanted a piece wanted of Irish music, like even even Raglan Road, if Raglan Road were our anthem, it honors Patrick Kavanagh, it honors Raglan Road, and it honors Luke Kelly, and everyone absolutely loves that song. Yeah. So no, be, I, it's not really you'd, yet. Be, you'd be in tears every
4: time at every like I mean not in a good way, not in an emotional way, in a Jesus life is pretty depressing sort of way.
5: Great tunes as it is. I'm not. It's I wouldn't a mind super living tune. on Raglan Road. Like so, you know, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, but that's you know that or Misha era or like coming out. You know, yeah, Misha era, Misha era, something like that.
4: Anyway,
3: there we go.
5: Listeners and viewers, what do you Yeah, think? what have you how got, you gonna,
3: How are you going to segue into this next part, Adrian? <laughs> Welcome what back,
4: is what uh, I'm going to segue into that. Okay. How are you getting on? Good, yourself? You weren't here last
3: week for the character assassination. That was cowardly. A bunch of cowards is what you are. Yourself, Kevin Colban, to a lesser mm. extent, Owen, He was just listening. But you know that like, he was encouraging, well, really, was by, by not he was saying here. anything. He was here, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, like say to my face, Kevin Cobell, you know, like, and I never actually heard those voice notes of the review of the show.
4: Now, most people haven't got a clue what you're talking about, of course. You,
3: well, you, if they if they listen every Friday, they would, yeah, because the full context was if given last week in absentia ascensi- by me so when I was you, at a wedding. You posed,
4: posed, I did my own business two weeks ago. post Everton beating Crystal Palace, penultimate game of the Premier League, secure promotion. Yeah. We're on here on the following morning. Yeah. It's the uh, Friday before the last weekend of the Premier League. Everton fans had stormed the pitch. Mm. The the jubilant scenes. Mm and you were like bah humbug no Kevin Caban was watching that got in touch and said not having Cullum that's a lot of crap get me on the show you know what he
3: said uh, is just wrong was that um, oh he was just uh, giving Roy Keane's opinion that's not true right I was saying this is what Roy Keane would say. It wasn't my opinion, and, and I worse. have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem with the fans storming the pitch, as I said multiple times on the day and subsequently. Like. The fans have every right to go on the pitch with uh, great relief and satisfaction. Now you that were being cringingly. Are staying in the Premier League and have never been relegated. However, the players and the manager, I don't know what they're celebrating.
4: You were being curmudgeonly. You have I to accept that. All. Is there no part of what
3: you said where you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that? I'm the most positive person I know I was not, <laughs> not the most
5: positive you like, when you're talking about yourself in that regard That's it's right. that you're not I, I on actually, other people I wasn't think. really aware of this but I disagree uh, with you I think for Frank Lampard he'd won he'd won narrative here keep them up yeah. and in fairness they got into a situation where they were in peril real peril so they like were. he did well you got to celebrate I mean well. I never said he didn't do well you want to be a well.
3: special type to come on the yeah.
4: following morning he just think well. about yeah. the context of that
3: he did well he did well I have no real problem with the whole thing so you're going back slightly in what you're saying Where where were you Huh? Why weren't you here? I was at uh, a wedding, and then, and then I went uh, on a stag to Galway, and then I texted your co-host. Followed by a stag morning, right? Yeah, and um, one day after another, like uh, w- wedding day two stag. Oh my
4: wedding,
5: god! Wedding wedding day uh, oh. two
3: stag. Yeah, woof! Yeah. Good I was in here on a, nowadays, I, right? I was in here Tuesday morning actually, top of the show, and then I, I started talking. I was like, oh my god, I, I sound like this mm. it's so croaky. Mm. I had Saturday's voice on me. Not Saturday's head me, Saturday's voice. Mm. But I uh, went to Galway on Saturday, texted your co-host, you're hardly in Galway, are you? And then I said, I'm in O'Connell's pub in Galway, shout out. And then Johnny sent me a picture that he was at the bar. I was like, oh my God, it's ah, amazing. Yeah. It's 24
5: hours earlier. Yeah. Before the Galway United Cork City game. Oh, yeah. yeah, O'Connell's, what a pub. And yeah. you were actually at a wedding. I was at a yeah. wedding in the Marion, yeah, so... Um, but- which was, a, which was a lovely experience. He
4: has an interesting sort of... You have an American way of pronouncing the word Galway, which is... Uh,
0: Galway.
3: Galway. I never, I've, never, I've, never, I've never settled Cork. on my pronunciation of Galway. Yeah, Cork people That's say Galway. That's probably it, actually. Yeah. That was the natural one. Galway. Yeah. I, knew, I know a few Galwegians... And what is it, Galway?
5: Galway. For some reason, oh. I, it doesn't like it's Galia in Irish, like, so you're actually closer to that. I don't know why it's called Galway, but that's the way we would have been introduced. Yeah. Lovely to
3: place, it. if it didn't rain so much, you know, one Cracker. of the
5: top places. Cracker. And actually it, was,
3: actually, it was a lovely weekend in Galway. It's, you're a, watching, it's the
5: best city in the world. It's like. very, very nice. You were
4: watching the, 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 the European Cup final in the I was, yeah,
3: fellow monster people? I was, it was um, Cork Stag. We are at the back of O'Connell's by where they served the food, uh, packed, absolutely packed. It was a great occasion and uh, everybody was glued to the rugby in the last 10 minutes and uh, the final whistle went and we found that we were the only ones celebrating. We were like jumping up and down. and the rest Jumping of up and down? Yeah, well, we were just delighted and then um, it was oh. just because of Rodan O'Gara, it wasn't because was of it Leinster was losing. It? Was it? Yeah, that's and not then, true. And then, as I said to you this morning, Agent, before we went on air, which is why we were so late because the pre-show meeting was so good. So good. We were saying... That there was a split in the stag, that a lot of people were just delighted that Leinster lost, and then other people wow. were thrilled for Rodan O'Gara, and Leinster happened to be the opposition. There's a
4: bitterness to that now that
3: is, is very oncoming. I was celebrating life, celebrating a positive result, and I have sympathy for Leinster, and do you know why? Because the other day I said to Jar Gilroy, uh, "This, you know, Leinster, side, one of the great sides," and he said, "No, they're not, because they haven't won it in four years and they, they lose." When and it they comes are to one it. of the great sides, and, I, is and any so I think that. it's a shame that they don't have the wikipedia page to back up their greatness they, they have they absolutely the current they
4: absolutely have a wikipedia page to back up the greatness if they don't then nobody does the current year like last few years considering how dominant they are for I the I know rest but a wikipedia the page is My point being the honours list. I know, yeah. but you don't Wikipedia give me Leinster for the last three years. It's Well, uh, the, the, uh, that you know, was the total arguably agreed, the other day. But, 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 back to the point. There's a bitterness now about that. And you're, you're saying yeah, there's that... There's a bit of bitterness. There isn't there. Yeah. Like, oh, are you saying if, if uh, O'Gara wasn't coaching La Rochelle that there wouldn't have been... If like, O'Gara A lot of people in that group, by the sounds of things, coaching. would have been yeah. cheering them uh, on. Yes, O'Gara's. I agree with that.
3: That's true. There were certain people who were anti-Leinster and Uncle Munster and mm. they wanted... Leinster to lose, right? So, uh, but there was a lot of other people too who uh, wouldn't have been angry at all um, if Leinster had won. They wouldn't have been, wouldn't angry have been at all, which is
4: not to say that they would have been happy. That's just one thing. They way just to wouldn't have been it.
3: angry at all. I just chose that one, The world's most positive and, man right? says that they, weren't, they wouldn't <laughs> right? be angry at all. And Leinster, he knows. So if Leinster, if Leinster win, there's no problem at all. And then if Larish had won without Ron O'Gara or maybe another Irish coach involved or something to, to latch on to, I think uh, people are like, oh, that's a shame. I think uh, by and large. So there's no there is no uh, See, he's like
4: that no problem at all.
5: No, that's, no, that's not yeah. a problem.
4: Yeah, yeah. He's fighting well, against himself. Sorry. Fine, I, it's fine. I would be interested to know just, uh, what's your experience generally? Is that like, um, you know, there's an anti-each-other sentiment in both of those teams anyway. And I just wonder to what extent, from both of their points of view they would cheer against the other one in a final. And I'm interested to know, now we've got the experience of somebody who was in the company of a lot of these people, but not himself, no, um, not himself. who who were very much, would have been cheering on La Rochelle, no matter who they were coached by.
3: Yeah, there is, yeah. So the question is, would that be the case? Is that pervasive? Well, no, like, that there attitude? is, I don't think so. I mean, you, you'd have a real split in it. Like, you would definitely have a lot of people. It's like a treaty Days A monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, a lot, of, a lot of my buddies in Cork would be huge rugby fans and yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't give Lens to the time of day. But a lot of others really appreciate how brilliant this team is and wouldn't begrudge them, especially, Which is not to say they'd especially, be especially on the
4: European stage. What but about they, the would Connors, they be happy for it? Them? Huh? Would they be happy for them? They wouldn't begrudge that's them. A, they wouldn't a, that's be unangry about it. Do you know what I mean? Bill, yeah. take, Bill take, take
5: each person on their merits in that instance. Mm. What about I, the, the carnival lineup? Like, Presumably there were Connacht fans in O'Connells where they were cheering on Leinster. Yeah. There, that's what really... I, I think that, that is a... Bit interesting, of a yeah.
3: I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder are there you know, massive Connacht fans here. I actually didn't get a sense that there was huge Leinster support um,
5: I'd say they're just not that
3: mad into rugby. Like yeah, always maybe. a strange city in yeah. sport in terms. That's it's so it's there's so much of a mix like. That's a really good point actually, because obviously Champions League final started afterwards and it was chalk and cheese in terms of attention spans. Oh yeah. 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 And I know that's you know it's obvious Oh it doesn't have a,
5: it doesn't really have a rugby history. Yeah, like now Connor yeah. has taken off, but like I, I still think a lot of the success of the provincial um, you know experiences that you can go and basically party at the games. Mm. I mean, and and I've been at, I've been at one Connacht game, and it seemed like everyone was having a pint, like, and yeah. that's fine. But like, it's part of the experience. And if you're trying to sell Galway United, you know we had a bar, but that's now like it's not happening at the moment. And it is part of the experience in Galway. Like Galway is a is a party city. So like, if you Friday night, for example, we're playing Cork City you want people to come to the game but if they're they're in O'Connell's in the back areas he's saying a lot of them are like I think I'll stay here whereas if they go to the rugby they can continue the party basically it's It's an Irish thing but I I believe it to be true
4: A lot to be said for that Uh, I was interested just in the context of Gary Neville uh, every social media platform he turned on after the Champions League final for a few days he was lording it over the Liverpool fans in a way that was like he was like I'm not going to apologise for this I was doing this when United were doing well Mm. and Liverpool were losing and I'm definitely going to be doing it now that United are doing badly and I just thought there was a comparison there but Mm. interested certainly to hear. uh, if there are any other monster fans out there who have a different point of view on that, definitely interested to hear from you on that this morning. One of the other bits of big news this morning, is, as running across a lot of the back pages, is that to everybody's surprise, including the Ireland uh, coaching ticket, Josh Cullen is in fact available mm-hmm. uh, to play against Armenia tomorrow. There was uh, sort of a weird uh, thing where he picked up uh, two yellow cards in two different games against Luxembourg and somebody in officialdom uh, in... Um uh, FIFA uh, slash UEFA um, had understood that to have been two yellow cards in the same game, yeah. i.e. a red card, and had suspended them. And then the suspensions list came out and somebody eagle-eyed in the FAI thought, oh, hang on a second, and contacted them. And they said, no, no, that was an oversight on our behalf. Sorry about that. Sorry about he that. is actually uh, grand to play. So mm-hmm. he's back in and it's a real shot in the
5: arm, isn't it, for Stephen Kenny? Yeah, the thing about the game tomorrow is... Um I think the main narrative here is the Heat. Um, and when Stephen Kenny managed the Dundalk team, I always, I, I don't know why you get Greece and Cyprus mixed up so much. I think they were in Cyprus. They were in Cyprus, sorry. And they got absolutely hockeyed. Um, away from home when they were expected to do quite well Mm. and it was extremely hot and Kenny that day played quite a pressing game Um, and I think it found out the Dundalk players in that they just couldn't do it in the heat and I wonder and and it's not obviously it's not the same level now and Ireland are favourites to win the game here but I think he's kind of almost referenced that he's like I don't want us to lose the good parts for a game namely that we press high and if you with the pace that we have in in forward areas it's going to be important but Josh Cullen is Vital. He's really, really vital for the way we play in terms of keeping nice and tidy when we um, are out of the ball. And yeah, it's a shot in the arm. I think uh, it's a big game. Strange enough, you know. I, I really like the Nations League. Um, I think it's it's reinvigorated for World Friendlies. I think it's really relevant. Um, and this is a game. I think like that. I think the nation are really looking forward to it. And um, Collins, I mean, we, we still have sort of we've other options in midfield but Colin's vital I think he's guaranteed starter we're going to talk to Karen Duggan about that in a few
4: minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the big stories obviously of the morning and across the weekend as well another story that's just worth mentioning in the back of the Irish Independent today and the quotes are carried across a lot of the papers and online as well Saudi millions worth risking rider captaincy says Graham McDowell these are the uh, quotes uh, from uh, Graham McDowell in relation to the fact that he's one of the players who signed up for this uh, very controversial uh, Saudi Arabia backed Live Golf Invitational Series and uh, plenty of the new you uh, wrinkled at the story of plenty of quotes from McDowell inside the paper this morning. Um, you know, basically saying that it's the right decision for him and his family. That's the way he's looking at it. I'm here to play golf. What went down with Jamal Khashoggi was reprehensible. We all agree that was wrong, but we're focused here on golf. If I tried to get involved in curing the geo- geopolitical situations in all the countries that I've visited, I wouldn't play much golf. So that's uh, his take on it. He's looking out for himself and his family. Um, Don't worry, obviously, about the um, uh, multitudes of families in Saudi Arabia who are affected by various aspects of that regime, including, uh, and not to mention, Graham, of course, the uh, children who are on death row uh, this week for crimes that uh, have often been uh, gone through unfair trials. Children, we're talking about, on death row. But as long as Graeme McDowell is looking after his family... By the way, it's greed in its ugliest form. A player who has amassed uh, wealth of upwards of $34 million from his playing career alone from the prize winning alone not to mention sponsorships and all his business interests and elsewhere and by the way more luck to him and fair play to him and well done and that's a lot of money to have, uh, to have banked over the course of your career and he's obviously coming towards the end of his career now so this is a bit of a payday at the end that he wasn't expecting but let's call it out for what it is it's greed in its ugliest uh, ugliest form this is not a player who has had to scrape a living and who needs this uh, to keep himself involved in the game this is a it's pretty disgusting but that's uh, that is very much my take on. What on do you what really think, about.
5: Adrian?
4: The uh, French Open. We need to mention um, the women's final tomorrow. It's obviously been slightly overshadowed, shadowed, by Emily yeah. Moresmo uh, Her comments about the women's matches being less appealing. You know, she's kind of reversed out of that. Um, in some ways, uh, she said that you know the quotes were taken out of context, and then she's given gone on to give that context, which I don't know fully necessarily clear up what she's been saying. No, um,
3: not good first-year tournament director, um, and she's a strong advocate for equality uh, for women in tennis too, so uh, bizarre comments from her. And world number one, Iguish responded to those comments, called them surprising and disappointing. And as you said, she's tried to come back a bit from it, but it doesn't really help because really what the tournament needed and tennis needed was someone in that position and of someone like Merez um, Mustacher to come out and say, um, well, actually, we will make an actual practical effort and in actually put it into practice that women do get to play night sessions with men, we've had one women's night session in the ten available mm. French Open. And let alone like that's unfair, but also in just in practical terms, it doesn't make much sense because women's matches, you know, they'll be shorter, they're best of three sets, so you're gonna get more T V coverage in Europe especially, maybe not America but Europe. If a match starts at quarter to nine French time, which is when the night session starts, if it's a women's match, there's a good chance you're gonna be able to catch the whole thing. Mm. Whereas you had, say Uh, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic play a four and a quarter hour match on Tuesday night which went into Wednesday morning I mean that match literally started in May and ended in June so like Mm -hmm. if you have a women's match that is going to be shorter and often is a better contest because the women's side is much more competitive than men so the men's side you have three or four still top brilliant players but for the women's side you could have any of the top 30 players and we said this pre-tournament when we were previewing it is that any of the top 30 could win this Mm -hmm. and in the case now on and tomorrow's final on Saturday's final you have world number one Igor who again we said before the tournament unless she gets injured there's no way she's going to lose this uh, and she's playing number 18 C Coco Gauff so there you go number 18 seed and she and Gauff stormed into the final mm. so that's the, the quality of the women's game and it's just a massive shame because like they're up against it as it is, and the French Open have never really helped them with this. And you, there's this time and time again, especially in the second week, when it really gets to which when TV audiences start properly tuning in, is that you have four matches on Philippe Chatrier, the main court, and it's always been the case that the first two are women and the last two are men. So the, the feeling is, even if it's unintentional, is we'll get the women out of the way, mm. let's concentrate on the men. And as I say, often the women's matches are better. So it's a real shame. And I think Merez, the, the only good thing about these comments is there's been such a backlash that if Merezmo is still the tournament director next year, which she will be, then I think she, she needs to use all her influence to ensure that women are playing far more often at night time because that's where the main audience is. Mm. Nevertheless, it should be a great final tomorrow. You have Shiondek against Goff, probably the two. Well, Shantek is undoubtedly the best player in the world at the moment. Won the previous five tournaments leading into the French Open. She's lost a solitary set en route to this final. She obliterated Kataskina yesterday in the semi-final in 64 minutes. Lost just three games. But Coco Goff has been equally impressive beat Martina Trevisan in straight sets yesterday. Only 18 years old, but feels like she's been around for a long time. In 2019, she beat Venus Williams as a 15-year-old at Wimbledon. She's a junior champion at the French Open as well from 2018. Um, and Shantek won Wimbledon the same year in 2018. Shantek won the French Open in 2020. This is going to be a tight match. Uh, Coco Gauff might take a set off her, but I can't see Shantek losing. Should be very good, though. And do you the, play tennis, or are you? I do, yeah. You do. I, I was think, thinking, I yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. Like, to my mother, actually. That's how I got it. Interesting. Are any my mother played camogie for
4: uh, <laughs> I uh, take that, next word
3: it's terrible. and then transitioned from Kamogi into tennis. Yeah, so it's it's a fun. fantastic sport to play. That's ah, great. Yeah. It's very frustrating, very frustrating when you're playing badly. Yeah, which
4: yeah.
5: you obviously you don't do. So
4: very briefly, yeah. you were unbelievably excited about uh, the the WhatsApp machine was in full flow the other night when Nadal and um, yeah. Djokovic Djokovic, we're going at it. Is he going Is that it now? Is he going to get just see the job out? Uh, I thought,
3: yeah. Alex Veretx has a very, very poor record against top ten players at Grand Slams. Uh, he won his ver- very first top ten opponent in the final there against Carlos Alcaraz. Very first time he's been in the top ten opponent at a Grand Slam. Um, so the only danger is that Verev is playing very well, but Nadal should beat Veretx, and then he'll play either Kasparud or Marin Cilic in the final. There's no way that either of those two should be beating Nadal. The fear is overall that Nadal may retire after this.
4: Very interesting, Colin.
3: I, I can feel it in your tone of eyes, yeah.
5: His passion shines through, to be Absolutely. fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Have you played tennis?
4: Mm, not uh, anyway recently, no. Mm. no. The knees wouldn't allow it, Johnny.
5: The knees, yeah. I'd be uh, I'd
4: be Paris the same Uh Three minutes past eight. Thanks, William. No problem. Uh, Johnny's staying with us. Three minutes past eight. We're with you until ten this morning. We've Karen Duggan has come and said, uh, standing by, and we're going to talk some football uh, very shortly. We've loads of comments coming in as well. We'll reverse back to those. We had a little bit of a technical hitch this morning, so we're a little bit behind schedule bear with us but here's what's coming up on the show uh, this morning between now and uh, 10 for you Karen as I said is standing by we'll talk uh, football obviously all the Ireland stuff to get into and uh, we'll do that in just a couple moments time quick picks uh, Will will be on the line and uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend's hurling uh, obviously very week, uh, interesting weekend on that front and some of the football as well sports pages after that Alan Quinlan uh, just before 9 o'clock to look ahead to the business end of the URC and maybe we might squeeze a little bit more out of that uh, Highland Cup final as well last weekend Michael Burton is a story you'll want to hear He's live in studio with us at ten past nine this morning, and uh, he's running thirty-two Ironmans. Iron men will be able to clarify exactly what that expression is. From Michael Burton for you, a really interesting story at ten past nine this morning. and Eddie Brennan from the show last night as well, uh, coming your way at half past nine this morning. It is be a.m. We're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And as I said, uh, do keep your comments coming into us uh, plenty about some of that stuff that we've been talking about uh, already today. And a reminder as well, by the way, that on tonight's Off the Ball, you've got a chance to win a 100 euro Irish Independent shop voucher uh, and to be in the draw for a Veloci e-bike, the best-selling electric bike in Belgium, has come to Ireland. And and to enter all of that, you can just text 53106 and tell us who the mystery voice is when it's played on tonight's Off the Ball. Karen Duggan, uh, we're a little bit uh, behind where we were expecting to be, but nevertheless, good morning to you.
1: Good morning, how are you guys?
4: Thanks for being patient with us. Um, former Ireland international, Koy gig host, started the Nations League obviously this weekend. Um, feels like there's still obviously that bit of optimism in the air. We've Armenia to kick off, we've Scotland-Ukraine doubleheader, you would want probably Armenia first to maybe ease things into it. I don't want to um pre-empt too much. What's a good points haul, Karen, from this cluster of games?
1: Uh, well, based off Stephen Kenny, he wants all, all nine points. I would say that uh, two wins and a draw. Um, I mean, Scotland, after the disappointment of not qualifying for the World Cup, a lot of those guys are playing Premier League, probably a little bit more tired than our team who are... Uh, largely Championship League One base, so you'd be looking to go and um, capitalise on that. Ukraine is a hard one to call. Um They've played well, um, they've got some really good quality and it's whether their concentration is gone from the emotion that goes into the World Cup. You could see what that game meant in Hampton Park the other day to them. Um, so how much that takes out of them, we don't know, but I think a point against Ukraine would be good. Um, definitely three points against Armenia, and then you'd be hoping to take the scalp of Scotland as well, if um, Stephen Kenny is to f- to go with the ambitions that he has set out of winning this group.
5: There is a feeling, I think, Karen, that if, if you look at Stephen Kenny's, like, his first whatever year in charge, um, and with COVID and all of these things, like so many things conspired against them. I think there's been a swing and I think uh, you could argue that these fixtures are quite nicely aligned for us because Scotland are on a downer. Ukraine have basically other things to be worrying about um, on many levels and I think the nation League just isn't our priority. If we can win in Armenia tomorrow, you just wonder, like, is it is it kind of, it's, it's almost written in the stars the way the fixtures have aligned. Maybe I'm putting a positive spin in it.
1: No, I'd agree with that. I mean, after the back of the belgium game there's momentum there and this is all building towards the 2024 euro championships but the nation's league is also something that's very tangible it's something that we can win and um for ireland is obviously it's been a long time since we've even competed for anything so that's surely going to put a pep in the step of a lot of our players a chance to go and, and win something and go back to competing against the top, top nations, which is obviously where we want to be. That's where the excitement in it all is. But um, the excitement has grown in the last 12 months since Stephen Kenny got that first win. Um, I know that that was a long time ago and it wasn't against a massive opposition, but there has been a swing in things. There's been an upward trend. Um, Came in for a lot of criticism in the first year, but obviously you saw, like we said, the COVID really um, transpired against some injuries. I think it's good to see... Or I think it's almost a fully fit 27-man squad and you know, 28 maybe if Josh Cullen is, is back in there, which is another boost. So mm-hmm. in, instead of all the knocks he was getting in the previous year, we're starting to see things maybe turn in his favour. And the way these are set out with Armenia first, obviously it'll be tough in that heat. But you'd be saying, yeah, this is three points to set us on our way for the next three games after
5: that You you mentioned the championship um, and obviously it's it's so relevant our, our lowest ever number in the Premier League of Irish players but Femi's performances in 2022 and obviously the 21s are playing tonight um, and get along to tell if you can but like Femi has barely featured for the 21s obviously there's a bit of controversy over um, his availability and then he was uh, he wanted to mind himself I think when he was called up earlier in the season by Stephen Kenny what do you make of him in terms of his prospects he's li- unlikely to start tonight or tomorrow rather but like you, you do imagine he could have something to say over the next week and a half
1: Yeah, if he's come into this camp with the right attitude Stephen Kenny obviously trusts in him and, and backs himself to be a good man-manager And um, there's obviously been questions over maybe was his attitude good and making himself available and things like that but he's brought in the likes of Obafemi and Festy, where these questions have Kind of surface the odd time. Um, So Stephen Kenny obviously backs himself as a very good man manager and feels that he can take the form that Obafemi has had in Swansea which I think is something like 11 in 19 since February. We don't have that kind of calibre of striker um, turning things out like that so you can't ignore his form. Um, I'm excited to see him in there. I think he could be a very strong option through the middle. Um, I think he offers what Connolly we thought Connolly would but a bit more um, and I think that it will also give Troy um, a, a, a bit of competition there for that playing through the middle spot I think they both probably back themselves for that position maybe we'll see them play together I do like when Ireland played the 3-5-2 the as opposed to maybe the 3-4-3 the three, three. Um, but I'm not sure which way they, they'll go against Armenia like you say I don't know if he will line out against Armenia um, I would like to see him feature at some point though to see how he is looking in a
5: green shirt again because obviously he only has one senior cap I think yeah and that that, that that game that absolute horror show in Denmark the thing is Adrian on form he's by a mile or best option up front and like Kenny saying he's effectively a number 9 is a complete game changer because that means that he thinks he can be that fulcrum in the attack and like he's quite uh, entertaining on social media um, kind of a bit of a cockney geezer type like laugh laugh a minute type lad about him and one of the the goals I think he, he set up this year with what looked an amazing assist there was a bit of banter on social media did you actually mean this or was it just like a bad touch and he's like yeah of course I meant it but the, the thing is he's totally evolved as a player he looks like a player that is now like obviously explosive pace and can score but his general play around the box he seems to have under Russell Martin like Ryan Manning and um, Cyrus Christie has just really developed uh, at Swansea
4: yeah and uh I mean yeah. I think every every footballer says that, don't they? That they meant it. um and I obviously- was yeah, yeah, yeah. Ida being out as well makes him more important. Robinson obviously has done his bit up front as well. Josh Cullen, Karen, and the the sort of mad story about him this week, he was out and then he's back in again and like some sort of administrative error on the FIFA side, they mixed up the two yellow cards against different games against Luxembourg as being in the same game, thought it was a red, suspended him, realised the error of the ways and he's back in. That's the short story in a, in a breath. But the, it did bring to sort of even looking at it yesterday before all this got confirmed about what the midfield makeup would look like it was all with this caveat well with Cullen out he's become very important um, to us what what are the standout traits that you see of Josh Cullen and why he's so important out to the Stephen Kenny team
1: well as well as having the kind of he he's a very honest player obviously we know that but we have a lot of honest players in the Irish squad but what he brings is a little bit more calm he's willing to put his foot on the ball um, the angles that he makes are are important, particularly for those wing back positions, because often you can get isolated out playing with one person on the wing. So he does make his way, kind of. He is that fulcrum in between um, the the three at the back and those wing backs, which I think is is really important to our game if we are to get higher up the pitch, because we do want our wing backs being in the five in midfield as opposed to a five at the back. So I think that he's really important, just as that focal point to not only distract opposition kind of make space i think that's an underrated part of the defensive midfielder's game is the fact that they make space for the higher players to to get on the ball and do what they need to do so um i think his game intelligence is is really really good um and he has that a little bit more experience than some of the other younger lads who he has been playing in midfield with and um he's gotten a lot of praise from company um which is Obviously, very very high praise. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Emmanuel. I think he was a player that we definitely needed to develop into that role, and I think he's nailed it down now.
4: Like, where do you go after that then? Because like the conversation prior to that was okay, it'll be Hendrik and Howerton probably, depending on how uh, maybe adventurous um, Kenny was. So what what is the makeup of that? Um, I don't know. Let's call it, if if it is a midfield three or um, what, how do you see that playing out? And who do you think will be in there now?
1: Um. Yeah, that's it's it's hard one to know. Um, Hendrik and Herrera on their day as ball playing midfielders, um, absolutely you'd you'd probably um, want to put them in there. Um, but then again, who, who am I thinking of? The Derby player who's who's been put on right wing.
4: Um, knight is it? Yeah. Knight.
1: Yeah. So it depends on energy as well, because. There are two very different players tonight. Knight brings a lot more energy. We've seen him deployed in loads of different um, areas, and he's had a really good season again for Derby. Played a lot of minutes, but always seems to have that fire. Um, in terms of ball play, you would like maybe the pace to come from the wider areas. Um, he has obviously brought in a lot of pace. He's got Ogbeni uh, there. He's brought in Hamilton. He wants to use those wide positions as. Where he's going to have his pace, maybe Obafemi up front. Um, so if he's thinking of counter attack, he'll utilise all his pace and his energy in the wide areas. But um, if he's feeling like we might need to press from the midfield, then Knight might get the nod over um, Powerham. Well, I would on, think, Just if he's looking for a bit more energy in that central area. On that
5: as well, Karnak, like, and he kind of references in his um, in the pre-match where he's on about like you know adapting to what's happening on the pitch. We have a really good squad now. We really do. Like, if you even, if bringing Festy off the bench would be an absolute nightmare for a left back who's, who might be tired having Mark Dog Benny, for example. Like, Festy's, um, pace, you, it's, you'd have to, I haven't seen him play live, but oh my God, the speed that he has. And then, like, we, we, suddenly we actually do have options to change things up, which, I mean, we were bemoaning our lack of attacking options, but for, for me now, we've, we've actually a lot of means of changing the game, um, and bringing on different types of players in midfield and up front.
1: Yeah, and even the likes of Christie coming back mm. in, he's another option in, as a fullback. Again, he's a kind of a powerful runner with the ball, and you can have McLean in a deeper area or you can put him higher up. So again, it's options. We can tire teams down and then change it, which is really good. And you've got Robinson then as well. He's got a lot of energy. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and I think, was it Stephen said during the week, like he's obviously been out with injury and he's come back into the squad now. And he's noticed the the strength in depth. This time last year, we were really talking, oh, well, what are our options? We're still looking to McLean. We're still looking for a set piece. Um, and that narrative has changed a little bit. And I think it is because he's bringing in the likes of Ogbené, who he seems to just get the best out of. So you're hoping that maybe he'll also get the best out of someone like Festy. Um, obviously, he's just had that Udinese kind of contract. We don't know how that will work mm. out for him, but Again, it's, it's a, he's an exciting prospect if you can get the best out of him. Um, and Kenny has said he does see him as a, a higher player. So he's looking to attack. He's looking to get goals in this tournament. And now looking with the likes of Opafemi being brought in you feel a little bit more confident that we can get goals, that we're not just going to be relying on Duffy at the back post and in you, the yeah. 90th minute.
5: And you just feel that the Irish players, like, this could be um, another tournament. This could be, like, a real, oh, just for it to be on holidays now. You know, like, why why, why do we need to do this? And going into a regimes where there are probably factions, some people not happy with the coaches, you just feel that everyone's happy to be there.
4: Mm.
1: And That's one good thing, I suppose, mm. about us not being Premier League and yeah. <laughs> uh, Champions League players that they've had Their week in Santorini or whatever. So <laughs> um, Kelleher is probably like, oh,
5: God, you know, do I need to be here? Like, we're just Safio, you know, but uh, obviously he's not, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a valid point.
4: The, and like one of the players that we know a lot about, obviously, Seamus Coleman, there was a clip from doing the rounds yesterday on social media that had come from the FAI channels where he was on the sideline, Karen, he was he was shouting in encouragement, he was cajoling some of the players, uh, he was acting a bit like a manager on the sideline, he was even standing a bit like a manager, I thought. And if ever there was somebody that's absolutely destined to be on the sideline in, uh, whenever he retires. It's him. But like, given the end of the season for him at a club level, like, uh, I mean, it's been a long season and he's not getting any younger, but he could be almost reinvigorated by how Everton's season um, played out in the end.
1: Yeah, the last few performances he's had for Ireland, he has kind of brought, I don't know where he's mustered the energy from, but I think he does see his role as that kind of person that people look up to on the team now. He's become a talisman um, and he's always been that kind of player that's honest and will give 100% no matter what. And yeah, he's getting older, but that, that's not going to change his attitude. And I think that that's exactly what the younger people, the likes of Femi and Festi, need to see. Um, I think that he's so important to the squad that you'd have him there up to Euro 2024, 20, even as maybe like a, an influence from the sideline. Mm. Um, we'll wait and see how the other players develop around him. But he's still got the class to play in the premiership and we don't have that many people who do have that so um, he's a credit to himself and the shape he's kept himself in and the attitude he's maintained over the year but you would forgive him for being the only player maybe who after such an emotionally draining season might just need a little bit of a break um, and maybe his role for some of these games will be from the sideline and and doing encouragement yeah. when you do have the like the Christie who can come in and is that little bit younger and
5: can play. I think yeah, Karen like Karen's right to mention Christie he hasn't been mentioned that much. I I've I watched a fair bit of Swansea because of the Irish influence and he's he's playing well like he's a good season and he's he's very very comfortable and I think Coleman's days as a right wing back are numbered. He just you you can't have a right wing back in the Kenny team the way we want to play who's just like obviously getting a bit slower um, at that age and I think if Coleman if Coleman's future in Ireland. We'll be coaching down the line, but right now we'll be playing right of a three um, very, very soon because I don't think he's the pace for that job anymore.
4: I won't have a bad word said about Seamus say, no, He's a the, top, top lad. Yeah, uh, yeah, top lad. Karen, before we let you wait, the, the confirmation this week of the Philippines game and international friendly uh, in a couple of weeks' time, obviously, during that training camp in Turkey for Vera Powell's team. Uh, with your your sense of the importance of a preparation game like that, and the the abroad the camp abroad almost as much as anything else in terms of the overall development of that squad.
1: Um, I, I'm not sure to be honest. Like I mean, that's really leading up to the the Georgia game, and again, the girls have had um, a long season. I would I don't know if even a game is necessary. I suppose it is, but that camp will be very much looking towards the the Slovakia game. I would think that like, that's the real big one that they need to get over the line, Um, obviously having drop points to them. So I would hope that their preparations, Ireland will beat Georgia in the next game. That's a a given. Um, But I would hope that all those preparations and the way that we line up against in the friendly will all be focused on the Slovakia game. So um, it's always great to have contact time with players. Um, The girls all are really bought into this. They're on a high ebb, particularly after a historic result um against Sweden. So i um, it's been a while since that. So it's brilliant in terms of getting them together earlier uh, and getting more contact time with them. Um, the friendly, it doesn't mean that much, only that it's a chance for them to implement their game plan for what they will do against Slovakia. But um I'm sure they're all really looking forward to it. And again, there's just a really, really good feeling around the squad. Um, for the Ireland men's team it's it's development to a different style of play. For the Irish women's team, its development to finally maybe make that major tournament, which we've never done. So um, it's just an exciting time to be a fan uh, mm. more than anything, and it's been a, a good while since we've felt that way. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how they get on just yeah. for that reason.
4: Yeah, 21's come,
5: the women's and the senior team, all in a very good place. Yeah, and having come so
4: close, obviously, over the previous campaigns, we have to get there now. Karen, fair play. Thanks, William.
1: Thanks, guys.
4: Karen Duggan, uh, former Ireland International host of the COID Gig pod on the line, uh, talking all things Ireland. Uh, this is where, this is the start where we can, this is where we can start judging Kenny. I wish him luck, says a YouTube commentator. Well, He's like preempting their their judgment of him here. And like, look, there is a bit of that. That's, that's fair enough. He's had a good old extended honeymoon period that we all been happy to jump on board with you um, can
5: judge him on the fact that you know listen to what Jeff Hendrick is saying and look at Josh Cullen look at all these players that have prospered under Kenny who may or may not be doing much at club level um, I think we're playing a lovely style of football relative to what we're used to there's a massive massive buzz around the Ireland team that probably hasn't really existed I would say properly in about 20 years like in terms of the way we play since the Damien Duff and Robbie Keane days whatever um and he's just a good humble man who um I, I dare say would have a very different view on the way to make money in your career than Graham McDowell has um and would have like proper proper he has a social conscience he's a good person his his, his articles in match programs down the air shows that he 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 sees the wider picture as well and I think people have warmed to his humility
4: um, the Terry Kelly was in touch saying well done and respect for calling out Graham McDowell disgusting from him sports people like him have moral responsibility to call out regimes and not hide behind family they have more power a uh, few comments in on the rugby Column is going to come into us at some point are you? and we'll put those comments to you he <laughs> says I don't know he's not sure he's seen the comments and he's not sure whether he wants to be involved in that type is that, am I right is that kind come
5: of come in column? that's it drive on
4: Ebbett drive on I think the national anthem uh, should be changed to the relevant me- uh, melody show me the way to go home Uh, Belted out As in the Jaws version Um, Franco Kelly says That he saw you Johnny On the train to Galway Last Friday Was going to say hi But you look busy On the laptop
5: Um, Probably listening To national anthems I actually I actually was busy On the laptop I got into this mode Of putting on Spotify And And listen to tunes and I was buzzing for the game I was absolutely buzzing for the game I think I'd been out for a cycle and my endorphins yeah. were high I was buzzing to go down to a game um, who was the text in Frank is it Frank yeah any time Frank come up and say hello because um, the train is it is. It's sad on the train now. Everyone is on their phone or their laptop, and I'm as bad as everyone. Whereas sometimes on an Irish train journey, um, if you say hello to the person opposite you, you'd never know where you'll end up. Like it's, it was a lovely old thing on the trains. Um, now it has its fair share of characters as well. Um, but <laughs> it is quite sad that uh, euphemism. Euphemism. It is quite sad that everyone is on their laptop and phone. And I apologise, Frank, if I looked like uh, I didn't want to talk to anyone.
4: OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day and during the uh, ad break up coming now you're going to hear a clip of the Olympic gold medalist Michael Carruth he's alongside his daughter and the actress and the TikTok star uh, Leah Carruth and they're going to talk in depth about their lives and influences it's a great chat 30 minutes uh, in total that whizzes by it's all up on YouTube and you can check that out but it is also part of our latest episode of Passing It On brought to you by Gillette Labs uh, for an effortless finish to your day the GA Quick Picks by the way are up next and we'll will be standing by Some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them,
5: lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're they're a great bunch. But it's not acceptable. Like to play the hard man when when they're on it. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility
3: and a bit of decency. But they just dismiss you like, like you you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion.
4: Quick picks. Well, O'Callaghan, what's happening? Morning, agent. Only the you know this morning we've Johnny for company here as well. What's happening?
2: How are you Do you know how you know it's a bank holiday weekend without telling someone it's a bank holiday weekend, <laughs> lads. It's the fact that Adrian and I are the only two left standing to actually make the quick picks on this Friday. That all the young folk from the office are away at music festivals and so on for the weekend. It well, just got me and A.B.
5: Actually, actually, uh, is is, is this weekend or next weekend? It is this weekend? It's, yeah. it's this clearly weekend. will that they're all like, you know, it's the last kind of prep for Triathai and that's actually the reason why, as opposed to they're all. So um, I'd like to defend their honor there very briefly. Well,
4: to be fair, now Tommy was like wowing Castle Bar last night with his first ever uh, The Football Pod Live Let's. show with um, Paddy and James and Keith Higgins so there is that we'll give him a bit of a pass for that uh, wowing
2: so much that he couldn't take a Skype call from the hotel room
4: oh I'd say Tommy is I'd say Tommy is in Cookerland right now I'd, I would imagine <laughs> that uh, and from some of the messages him. I was getting at about half three, four o'clock yeah, should have gotten him on I'd say he's, uh, he's, he's needing his lie in. Um, right, we've no leaderboard, Will, so let's just assume that I did really well last we're, week. And uh, We're both doing
2: really well, Adrian. Absolutely.
4: That's so well. Uh, right, we'll get straight into it then. Obviously, a couple of the provincial hurling finals stuck ahead to going to kick-off, I think, with the Leinster hurling final. It's Galway against Kilkenny, and uh, it's fairly well split here. Owen, Will... And Tommy are all going for Galway. And then you've Ashling and myself who are going for Kilkenny. And I'm torn on a couple of these games this weekend, I have to say. And uh, I think that we can make arguments now as to which way we're going to fall. But ultimately, there is a cigarette paper between a lot of these. And the main reason, Will, I was thinking about that one particularly. This sounds slightly odd, but I was listening to the preview with Tommy Welsh on during the week. He was finding it hard. He went for Galway in the end. He was saying that he thought Kilkenny were a good team, but just lacking in form at the minute. Um, So, look, you take that as it is. I just felt the sight of Crow Park for a Kilkenny team. The handshake is back into play, you know. um, He will want to get one over look at I know that some of the same things will apply for Galway and they are um, shorter odds to win the All-Ireland than Kilkenny and maybe that's the how can, the, how can the
5: handshake influence like Kilkenny's I do think motivation. that it
4: focuses the minds it will focus the minds in a way for Brian Cody in a way that it may not have mattered uh, very much for Henry Shefflin but he
5: dictated so. the handshake it's like Shefflin all of the onus here is on Shefflin does he basically I did a piece with Charlie Carter for the match programme tomorrow and Charlie Carter's like will they even shake hands at all and he's like Brian Cody completely dictated the of that, he pulled him back, yeah. and it's more how Sheffrin reacts. Rather than Cody, well, I think Cody
4: was look at to hash the whole thing, but Cody was
5: annoyed by it to the point where he pulled him back. Yeah,
4: so that's what I'm saying. That that's the bit where Shefflin is like, oh, well, I don't really
5: care if you want to shake hands. Let's so do you it. think Shefflin emerged better in the handshake than I
4: think? It? There's no doubt about it. I think that uh, it didn't reflect amazingly on Cody. There was a, it, no. it, it
5: felt like a bit of an ego
4: thing. Him going, you show some, you show me some respect here. Now look at who knows. Maybe he comes out and explains it
5: all. This I, has no relevance to the, Char- Charlie Charlie the outcome Carter of this game, though. In, from, from this is extremely professional. It has no relevance in the. Outcome of the game, yeah, surely they will or The motivation to sh-
4: shake hands, I think. <laughs> look, we don't want to spend the entire slot talking about what do are think hands. will,
5: uh, but uh, will,
2: you're a, complete, for- a complete sideshow, lads, is what the handshake is going to be. At some point, yeah. they will definitely shake hands. They will. I yeah. think you won't have the emotionally charged moment that we had in Salt Hill when you know, Kilkenny had just lost to a very late controversial point, free when it looked like they'd rescued a draw. Yeah. And look, I mean, my take on it would be that Henry Shefflin was definitely trying to walk back towards the sideline, Brian Cody was trying to get towards the officials. And there was a very strange moment and we can read whatever we want mm. to how much emotion was there for Brian Cody about the idea of Henry Shefflin going elsewhere and trying to damage his uh, native county's chances of winning silverware this year. So, look, the handshake is the handshake, but what is going to
5: matter is what happens in the 70 plus minutes <laughs> on the pitch. Kind of like meeting an ex in the bar where like, she, she didn't quite see you, and it was an acrimonious breakup and she she's just a naturally positive person. And she gives you like a, but then she sees you and says, God, God, I, I don't like you. And then kind of. Hi- hi- hypothetically. Yeah, Abel, of course yeah.
4: Um, You talk about reading too much into things that maybe don't matter but uh, looking at the league might be somewhat of a pointless exercise but the second quarter, the last day from Galway Will, um, they were devastating obviously over that period of time so and it's hard to know, sort of post that was it? did they take the foot off the gas and think, oh, okay we've got this and they sort of eased off a bit uh, or is there a weakness there that Kenny ultimately had figured out and identified and could make them pay for this weekend?
2: No, I think we had a pretty vintage Kilkenny performance in the closing stages in Salt Hill where they went chasing goals got one looked like that goal was going to be enough to rescue them a point in the round robin section since then though things have changed a little bit I mean Kilkenny's performance against Wexford was very worrying because Galway are going to put a lot of pressure onto Kilkenny and when the pressure came in for Kilkenny against Wexford they started to revert back to type somewhat they've been trying to switch to a game that's a little bit more varied lads and particularly they've been doing a lot more short passing earlier this season and then they went back you <laughs> To going incredibly long and ineffective against Wexford they put 16 balls into the Wexford 45 from Kilkenny's own 45 a very long pass and only 5 of them were retained as Kilkenny possessions they went back to very old school Kilkenny when the pressure was on now Galway will lap that up if it happens because Galway like to defend deep and they're going to do so to try and curtail Owen Cody's pace particularly and then they've got a really physical back 6 so Galway will be more than happy if ball reigns in on the Macro Park so Kilkenny will have to have a little bit more about their attack yeah. And they'll have to get better at keeping the ball in possession. The team who suffered the most turnovers in the round-robin section in Leinster and Munster were not Leish, were not Westmeath, were not Tipperary, who had a bad year. It was Kilkenny who gave away the ball the most on turnovers. So Kilkenny are going to have to be very careful and better with the use of the ball if they're going to win this game. But sometimes we see Kilkenny being really effective and they're very good at going for goals this year. I think it's 26 shots they've taken and they've scored 14 goals in the round-robin. So they're lethal when they get the ball into scoring zones. But it's just getting the ball into the scoring zones in a more effective way is what Kilkenny have to do and the other thing that's a big advantage for Galway here is that Hugh Lawler is out with the broken bone that he's got in his hand so Kilkenny have lost their first choice full back and Conor Whelan is in tremendous form at the other end for Galway and he may well make hay on Delaney if the ball gets into Whelan
4: yeah and like look I think uh, uh, either way it won't be Whoever wins it, it's not going to be an astonishment uh, either way, is it? Clare Limerick is the other one we want to look at in the Munster final. Let's get a sense of which way everybody's gone on this. And is Limerick across the board? I am a little bit surprised by that, because I thought somebody might sort of go the opposite direction. First time, uh, Will, since they've met in a Munster final since 1995. It is written in the stars.
5: That is mad. Yeah,
2: it didn't go too badly for Clare in ninety five, as I recall. That's I think right. An, yeah, 80, an 80-year drought
0: for Do the McCarrity.
5: So Derry hadn't been to an All-Ireland final, uh, an Munster Championship final since 2000s. And it's like it's mad when in small provinces like that to, to think that it's 1995. Will you were what age back then? Like I nine, would have been nine, yeah. nine, yeah. There you go.
2: Um, but the thing is, right, Claire used to, we're saying this on the Meaningful Metrics with Nathan last night, is that they're quite used to having long droughts. They've had a 60-year drought, a 15-year drought, a 30-odd-year drought along the way. And here they are now trying to go back and bridge a gap from 1998, which is exactly what the aforementioned Derry did last weekend in Ulster. Claire have been really, really impressive so far this summer. Um, you know, we argued previously in 2019 when they went out in the group stages, we argued again when they went out in the quarter final uh, the year after in 2020, that they were very reliant on Tony Kelly and that if you could shut Tony Kelly down or if Tony Kelly was to pick up an injury, Clare just weren't going to have the scoring charge which was required. Well, this year, they've been able to get Shane O'Donnell back, thankfully, after he missed all of last year due to concussion. He's come back in and is such an orchestrator now. He's no longer the finisher when he broke through in 2013. He's far more involved in their general play and he is a complete mischief maker and it's going to be very difficult for that Limerick half-back line who like to hurl quite a bit to deal with the likes of O'Donnell and Tony Kelly like talk all week who goes on to Tony Kelly I know Tommy Welsh was suggesting that maybe Will who drops back maybe you put Dermot Burns there and sacrifice what Burns gives you going forward to try and stop Kelly such as the respect that's required for a man that scores 12 points a game or does potentially Tony Kelly go in and try and be a disruptor and end up in a more conventional 11 position and try and make it difficult for Declan Hannan like these are all really interesting battles going into the weekend you look at the form of Peter Duggan who's been playing remarkably well and then you've got the two best cornerbacks probably in the game right now with Hayes for Clare who's probably going to pick up Aaron Gillan who's Limerick's danger man and we're going to see possibly who Finn picks up in the Clare forward line so it's very very difficult to know how these two teams are going to line up but we know that Keane Lynch is not going to be involved and that has to be a boost for Clare that the guy who basically is the glue that ties everything together possibly the brain of the forward line for Limerick the best hurler of his Generation, Keane Lynch, is not available this weekend uh, due to his hamstring strain. That has to give a bit of hope to a Clare team who've been shooting the lights out so far. They're averaging 32 points a game. Um, Absolutely hammered Waterford, the league champions last time out, even without John Conlon, who's been playing so well, and without Tony Kelly. I don't know, I think five points is a bit disrespectful to Clare going into this game, which is the current handicap going into it. I think if Clare don't win, Clare are going to be closer than five points, I think.
4: I would said last year that Clare were the closest team to Limerick, and I'm not saying it was laughed out to of town, it wasn't a totally implausible thing, but I do. I will admit that by the end of the year I was definitely doubting that call. They got caught, caught by Cork in the qualifiers, it was delayed. Kelly goal that could have been that maybe would have changed the narrative for them um, but from what we've seen subsequent to that like in the betting it's Limerick, Galway, Clare and the rest we'll see on Sunday obviously we'll have a bank of evidence to go on at that point but what you're reading now Will are they as, Are they closer to, to Limerick are they at the same level as Limerick Where, how do you see that?
2: They're not that far off Limerick, really. I mean, you go back to the game in Cusack Park a few weeks back in the Round Robin, and I know that Hegarty was sent off and that affected Limerick's flow somewhat going into the closing stages of the game. But the reality is that uh, Clare were basically blow for blow with Limerick throughout the game. The one thing about Limerick is, though, they found solutions this year, Adrian, when they found themselves in difficult situations. I think back to the Tipperary game where after an hour Limerick weren't hurling particularly well. And then they blew Tipperary out of the water for the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, At times, maybe against Cork at a poor start, conceded a goal after 40 seconds, yet found a way to dominate that game, particularly in the second half of Porky Quive. For their injuries and suspensions that they've had this year, having to move players around, they've got a versatile squad, and most importantly, they've got a winning mentality, which is key going into the game at Semple Stadium. So we'll see if Clare can maybe get over that. But again, I just think this one's going to run pretty close. Again, I've picked Limerick. I'm not going to change my mind on that right now. But I think Limerick probably just by a couple of points against Clare on Sunday afternoon.
4: Let's get into the football. Um, Mayo, Monaghan to begin with. And it's Mayo across the board. Oh, no. And like, yeah, look at exactly. And that is exactly the point because it's another year where we're all scratching our heads about Mayo. We're not sure where they're at. They've so often obviously run the gauntlet before of back alleys and scraping through against the likes of a Down or Armagh. ma as they've done a few years ago and not in the last couple of years admittedly obviously but uh, they've used that time to go away and hone their game and come back a little bit stronger um and part of the mayo benchmark is obviously you know where galway are at uh, but increasingly everybody's saying well galway are live contenders now uh, for the all ireland um so where does that leave us all that in the melting pot it leaves me very mayo worried about my at.
2: prediction adrian it's <laughs> where it leaves <laughs> me um, you wish you could come from now. Yeah, I should have probably. But look, Monaghan are like a good team. Didn't play particularly well when they were knocked out of the Ulster Championship in the semi-finals, But then again, we subsequently saw that this Derry team is a very, very difficult nut to crack. And they went on to win the Anglo-South afterwards. Like, there's part of me that's gone exactly down that logic, which is that Mayo, backdoor, they love it. They relish this chance of going the long way around into the All Ireland series. And there's plenty of evidence to show that Mayo have been able to circle the wagons after having a disappointing start to the year, which was the case when they lost out to Galway. The problem is that you just look at the Mayo injuries, and as the week goes on, It looks like some of those key players are not going to be back for this weekend. You look at the fact that, you know, uh, I watched Monaghan and Mayo in the league and Monaghan seemed to be a bad matchup for Mayo during that game too. Uh, The the, the more this goes on, the more worried I am. And I'm Mm. even more worried about my prediction when I see it across the board for Mayo, which I think is probably largely on blind faith. Like, why are you going for Mayo here, Adrian?
4: It's blind faith. That's exactly what it is. Like, it should be Mayo is the thing. Well, like a few months ago, there were odds on
5: favourites to win the All Ireland. Yeah, it should be
4: Mayo. And the thing is, like, the ceiling of Mayo is higher than the ceiling of Monaghan. And, like, and I see Rory Larmer this morning. And good morning to you, Rory. He's given it the ah here when he saw the predictions. And look at I hear you. We could all look like absolute fools. um, But. Monaghan are, and you know Rory will not be delighted to hear this, but they are basically the um, French rugby team, I mean, not at the minute, but the one we used to know, where they were like, some weeks they turn up, and some weeks they wouldn't. So you don't know what the hell you're getting from Monaghan. The evidence of that is all over the place, so that's not a uh, seat-of-the-pants theory about Monaghan. That's just the way they've been for the last few years. You know, they were predicted to win Ulster, and they've come up short. Look at the, Mayor, is exactly the same kettle of fish. So, but my theory, Will, is based on the fact that I think Mayo's ceiling and the evidence is there is higher than what Monaghan should be and when their backs are to the wall they have often previously shown the ability to come out fighting or scrape over the line by a point which is probably what okay, happened
2: so May- Mayo's ceiling is possibly say an All-Ireland finalist or as Johnny said an All-Ireland contender but this weekend are they going to be at that level
5: that is the serious question mark yeah. that you have with this. well definitely not Like they'll, they'll obviously presume when they go on the trajectory you think they, they'll they'll improve. It does have a lovely makeup to it, though. Like the old, this is old school. Like two very good teams losing your out. Like
4: yeah, we'll skip through the last ones. And, sorry,
5: and two of the the biggest like fanatical supporters of football in the in the in terms of population, Monaghan and Mayo. This is proper proper football country, and like that'll be a proper atmosphere as well.
4: Uh, our Tyrone might be a little bit tasty. Mm. Uh, I would offer to you, and uh, so it's Tyrone for own Adrian Ashling and Will, and wouldn't you know it. The man himself, who hasn't turned up this morning, Tommy, he's <laughs> going for Armagh. There is a case for Armagh, isn't there? Like, some of it down to, maybe a lot of it, maybe all of it down to how bad Tyrone have shown they can be.
2: Yeah, and look, again, I think uh, for any of us who, are, who would be backing Arma, I had a feeling Tommy Rooney would. I think Tommy Rooney must have Arma family or something. I'd love to go back through the quick picks and see how often Tommy is actually... He's like Charlie High, Will. He is, he
4: is family from everywhere. everywhere. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah Um, Look again If he's right We can use the analogy About a stop clock Being right twice a day Because he just backs Armagh every single time Almost blindly But like Armagh's early season form Was really good Then it dipped off And then I kind of got off The Armagh bandwagon About them potentially Winning the Ulster Championship Now we go into a qualifier Between two great Old rivals Going back to the Early noughties Where a lot of the players Who were on show this weekend Were growing up While that rivalry was on Like I think Tyrone have to be boosted By the fact that They've brought in A few of their under 20s They've just come off the back of of a really good under 20 campaign those bodies are needed because of the sheer amount of players that have left the throne panel Tyrone have obviously been quite disappointing and were really really poor when they played against derry in the ulster football championship you're wondering whether the champions of last year can just get themselves back together and this is almost the perfect fixture for them you're taking on money arrivals taking on a neighbor going up against a team you know, where you know that everything is on the line, your season is over, your All-Ireland defence is over if you lose. That's the main reason that I'm going for Tyrone here, is that I reckon there's another kick left in Tyrone, but they're going to have to try and get a handle on that Armagh full forward line, which has so many scores in it if they actually get going. like I really enjoy watching this Armagh, Armagh team if they get going. Again, I wonder, is this Kieran McGinney's last stand with this mm-hmm. Armagh team too? And it would be a terrible way for their year to fizzle out when it started so impressively Would win against Dublin and Crow Park if they were to be knocked out on the first weekend of June. So again, you talk about Mayo and Monaghan being perfectly set up. This one is pretty mouthwatering.
5: Interesting really. you say that briefly. The, the McGeaney thing, like he's been um, managing for so long now and he's one of these divisive characters in terms of management I think where, where like, I think a lot of the players really like buy into what he's doing. But his record, obviously, is questionable. You think this this could be a seminal day in his career? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, obviously, if Armagh win, you've knocked out
2: the reigning All-Ireland champions and they went to round two of the qualifiers and you're, you know, that step closer to getting back into the All-Ireland series this year because of the, you know, the Tarleton Cup means that we're cut down to the fact that you're going into the last eight in the country, effectively, if you can get through um, in the qualifiers. So it's not going to be a long run through the qualifiers. That's the other thing about Mayo is that they're only going to have a few games to come through this time if they're to come through the back door. I'd agree that McGinley can be divisive, particularly among supporters. But the one thing that I found very telling about Kieran. McGee is I remember talking to some of the Kildare players after he left and they were devastated that he left Kildare the the feeling was that he really had them in fantastic condition that he was an excellent coach he was someone that they hugely respected he's got Armagh generally on an upward trajectory as well but this is obviously a very difficult game for Armagh to try and win this weekend and I'm sure Geezer himself and probably the Armagh uh, County Board would have a think if they were knocked out of the Championship early this year
4: uh, we'll skip through the last couple of here uh, Leitrim, Sligo to begin with we have uh, Leitrim for Owen, Will and Tommy and then Ashling and myself are going for Sligo and then we have the last one on the football for Anna and Cavan and Cavan across the board I don't know maybe great surprise about that are we doing Joe McDonough did we decide we were doing Joe McDonough there was some chat about bye, Joe bye. McDonough
2: I think we definitely should have have people put in I think like that Leitrim-Sligo game by the way in the Talton Cup is exactly what the Talton Cup was made for um, mm-hmm. a derby in the quarterfinals yeah. Crow Park on the line Leitrim on the back of a really good result against Antrim uh, last weekend Sligo on a bit of a run I think this is going to be their fifth championship game for this year and yeah like Cavan have taken the Talton Cup really seriously Adrian and like they are probably the pedigree team left in the competition even though they're coming out of Division 4 so um, I'm all for a Cavan offaly uh, final if this was to happen but uh, yeah Kavan are really 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 good I expect him to win Talton Cup I know if the guys didn't put in I'm going for Antrim over Kerry I don't read a huge amount into the last game in the round robin where Stephen Gleeson was able to rest some of his players against Kerry Um, Kerry obviously did quite impressively to get to the final because they were in a difficult position going into the last round they needed Carlo to beat Offaly and also to win away from home against Antrim which on the face of it looked pretty unlikely uh, but Stephen Malumfy's side pulled it around I thought they were going to be out of contention after they lost to Offaly at home in the penultimate round but this Antrim team have done really well this year with the exception of one game, the defeat that they suffered against Leash away from home. Outside of that, they've won when it's mattered. Uh, their relegation playoff against softly they were really impressive up until the last game where they were able to rest players against Kerry in the round robin of this competition. So for me, the Saffrons to lift the Joe McDonough for the second time in three years.
4: Yeah, happy to go with that. Well, fair play. Good man. Thanks for turning up.
2: Cheers lads. That's
5: all, all right. you can ask for really. Turn up, clock in, clock out. Uh
4: that is the quick picks and um we will come back as I said there's more comments coming in we time come back to them in a little bit but uh, John Douglas standing by we'll come to him in a second first of all the papers.
7: There's so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's a total spoofer. <laughs> what should be a spoofer? He's just bullsh**. Ah uh, no i mean, come on don't don't be no I'm not he that. Is. no
4: coming up on uh, 10 to 9 very chilled out vibe to the papers there here's what's on otbsports.com for you this morning Uh, you can check out the uh, Paul McShane interview from Nathan last night wide ranging interesting stuff from the Manchester United coach former Ireland international I'm still not over the Thierry Henry I'm, I'm Ball Uh, it is interesting stuff on that Uh, you've also got John Giles I think he could do more this is on uh, Calvin Phillips um, where he might slot in at Manchester City you have the Ronan Agara interview up there uh, from the best bits and uh, the South African teams in the Champions Cup making it harder to win the thing, the thoughts of Owen Redden as well. So, plenty up there. You can check out o 2 com uh, for that. Let's have a look at the back uh, pages across the newspapers today. Cullen back in the running after UEFA lift suspension. He wasn't really suspended at all, it turns out, and he did make the plane, and he will be in Yerevan, and you would expect him to play against. Uh, Armenia tomorrow. Saudi millions worth risking. Ryder Cup captaincy, says Graham McDowell. We chatted about that earlier. We won't go back to it. The Irish uh, Daily Star for you. Uh, Vicky Wall, I couldn't turn down. Oz Move, the reigning ladies footballer of the year on her AFLW switch. Zelensky, proud of footballers. The Ukraine president coming out in support of the team who are lifting the national mood there. Um, And shooting stir. Real Madrid have stepped up their interest in Raheem Sterling as he faces what they're describing at the start as a crunch. Summer, the myrrh for you this morning has that Cullen story as well. Cullen, all the shots. Like that ever-present Josh clear to play, rewards Apollo here inside and mad for Sterling, Real step-up interest in the City star who's desperate for more game time in World Cup here. It's slightly um, odd given that they could buy whoever the hell they want mm. but it's Raheem Sterling they're after uh, Joe Canning's column in the Irish Times leads the way here And the splash in the back wounded cats are a dangerous animal always an interesting read there and that is the Irish Times field like this morning.
5: Joe's new column it's very good he yeah. does
4: give something a bit different he was talking to Joe the other week about it on here and he was saying that he uh, you know, he's not, there's plenty of analysis and all that other stuff out there he's just in there to talk about his own experiences and bring something a bit different he was talking about referees a few weeks back mm. very good piece
5: he's a top lad
4: Uh, The Herald Cullen back in the game and Saudi Millions uh, worth the risk of Ryder Cup roll blah 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 Graham McDowell, the star we've done already. <coughs> the Daily Mail, under orders. Uh, boxers told to deny kinahan link for Sky TV. This is an exclusive story inside there by Riyadh Al-Samari. Boxers have been told by a leading promoter that uh, to appear on Sky Sports, they must provide assurances that they're not working with Probellum, a company that has been linked to Daniel Kinnan by one of the most prominent figures in US boxing. They all deny that those links exist. But an interesting story that uh, it seems like Sky are looking for written improvement. Uh, written, written statement that their, their fighters who appear on TV are not uh, linked to Daniel Kinahan uh, All or Nothing as Munster and Ulster collide, we'll talk to Alan Quinlan about that shortly, shortly, that's the words of Rory Keane Inside All Systems Go, for Kenny's men in Yerevan uh, Stokes, and New England Fall Apart is on the Telegraph this morning and uh, supposed to be a bright new era for English cricket it seems like it uh, may not have been and uh, that's where we're going to leave the papers that's what I've been told JD, how are you getting on? John Duggan, good morning to you Adrian, Johnny, are well?
7: Josh Cullen leading the way this morning I presume? Yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's chunks chunks of little stories Josh Cullen's won um, obviously the preview of the Armenia game the Heat will be interesting we have live commentary with Nathan Murphy, Vinnie Perth on the show tomorrow and off the ball Saturday on News Talk from 2 o'clock. So, Armenia are 92nd in the world. We're beaten 9-0 by Norway in a friendly back in March. Uh, lost 5-0 to North Macedonia in a World Cup qualifier. We would be hoping to have the ambition to beat this crowd yeah. uh, before the Ukraine and Scotland Haven't games. I tended to blitz them out of the water previously. But. Uh, so, that's what's going on there. Obviously, all the GA action, as you've been previewing. I'm going down to... Hurlis on Sunday. Good man. 27 years since the last Clare Limerick Munster Hurling final. It's written in the stars, Jeddy. Hopefully, you know. And 1995. Uh, my dad was from Clare, my mother's Limerick City. So Where does that leave you? Half and a half jersey? No, no, Clare, Clare Hurling. Um, I just went with Clare because you know got into it with the dad when I was young. Yeah. So uh, it, was, uh, it was 10 punts to get in in 1995 to Sample Stadium. And it was a magical day, 63 years. The Munster
4: Hurling final is not a uh, fixture I've ever been at, and it's definitely on the bucket list. Oh,
7: but yeah. Thurless is the place for us. Turles, mm. like Thurless is the home of hurling. And um, look, it's lost a bit of a sheen, but there is something to this because they're such close rivals, and Clare haven't won it a bit like Derry in 24 years. And they
4: have a shake, JD, don't
7: they? Like that's... They do, yeah, they do. Uh, I think they want it probably more than Limerick. Uh, like Limerick don't need to win it. Limerick are going for four in a row. Uh, the only the, the big thing that matters for Limerick is winning Lee McCarthy. So, um, and Lynch obviously not being there, uh, you know, if he isn't fit, is a boon for Clare. Um, it'll be intense. It's, it's going to be full. It'll be over 40,000 people. So, that, that's great to see. And obviously, Kilkenny then go away tomorrow night, you know. Josh
4: Cullen, the whole thing was weird, wasn't it? Like he was suspended and it yeah. was just a bit of an administrative cock
7: up, and then somebody,
4: uh, eagle eyed person at the FAI, let's give them a bit of praise where it's due, yeah. spotted
7: it. Yeah, good to see it. Um, we saw Hideki Matsuyama thrown out of the Memorial Tournament last night for marking this fairway wood with it looked like either white paint or Tipex. And the PJ Tour felt that his markings uh, helped with alignment uh, unfairly. So he was uh, disqualified. And that's why he was doing it, presumably. Well, and maybe, maybe he felt in his own mind that he he, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Mm. Uh, we have to hear from him on that, but the, the PJ Tour felt that he, he went over the line. Uh, so Shane Lowry is only two shots off the lead uh, on three under par, six players leading on five under. Rory McIlroy, two under par. Seamus Powers, even par. Nice to see Coco Gauff, uh into the women's singles final at the French Open. And then she wrote in marker on the camera, um, peace and gun violence and we needed a lot more of that from our sports stars given the craziness that's happening in America absolute insanity, what's going on there in terms of uh, gun violence so she's 18 years of age uh, Igus Vontek, she'll play in the final tomorrow Rafa Nadal is going for a 14th French Open title and 22nd Grand Slam he plays Alexander Zverev today with Kaspar Ruud also in action against Marin Cilic uh, the Derby uh, I'll be talking to Johnny about it tomorrow uh, on the show and uh, it's quite open although Desert Crown is, is the market leader for Michael Stout obviously we hope he's got an Irish winner Johnny
5: Kraken make up to the race because like Sir Mike's out it's so long since he's had like I think he's mid 70s now it's so long since he's had a proper horse and Workforce uh, the last one Workforce probably. yeah and um, yeah this horse by Nathaniel as well he's only had a couple of runs um, he was very very good in his prep and Aidan has admitted his best derby horse is injured so I do wonder, about the, yeah, yeah. I do wonder about the standard but um, I think by tomorrow uh, even an Aidan O'Brien will have drawn a blank in all the classics so far that's my prediction
7: Right I've got the Oaks today with a hottie Doyle bidding to become the first ever woman to ride a, a winner of a classic in Britain um, she's on uh, Nashua but uh, it's um, Emily Upjohn who's the favourite for John Gosden and Tady Gosden his son um, I give... Um very
5: strong mention to Joseph O'Brien's horse and that tranquil lady I think she's right. very interesting I think you can get um, 14 to 1 four places and I think she's great each way but it's a virtual insanity uh,
7: horse racing absolutely wait for tomorrow um, yeah that's really what's going on lads very good 1 o'clock Jetty tomorrow 1 o'clock to be. Uh, that is the place to be off the ball Saturday on News Talk um and uh, looking forward to a, a good day's football. Obviously, all the, the Gaelic games will have reporters at Monaghan Mayo and uh, and Galway, Kilkenny, and, and then Johnny and the Derby. And Yeah, hope you can join us. Nice one. It
4: is a monster again. Thanks, JD. It is uh, 5 to 9. You're watching RTB Brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you.
6: Morning, lads. How are you?
4: All good. The, um, there's so much rugby to be, to be uh, spoken about. Just can we touch first of all on the slight weirdness that crops up every single year, where you have the biggest game of the year, and then you're suddenly back into what, in a lot of cases, is obviously it's the URC quarterfinals in France, the final regulation game of the top 14. Um, You know, in that way that obviously soccer has it nailed with the League Cup, FA Cup, Premier League, Champions League. Like it's just weird, isn't it? And I mean, I don't know what can be done about it, but it's a big disadvantage for the two teams that make the Heineken Cup final.
6: It is, yeah, but I think it's always been like that, Adrian. Even when I was playing um, the, the Champions Cup, European Cup, as it was then, the Heineken Cup back then when I played, um, was was always played before the domestic league final. I think it's it's a hard one to crack. I think you know, I know in football it, um, you know, the Champions League is is the last kind of action of the season, the soccer season. But in rugby, I think it's down to probably uh, the unions, the French Union the English Union who probably want to keep um, keep their own domestic leagues as 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 the finale if you like Mm. and and finish on a high in their own domestic leagues Um, I don't know if it's going to change or will it change but it probably is because I suppose for the French teams is it the biggest is it the biggest competition for them Um, well the French the French league um, is a lot uh, is to, to a lot of the owners there, and, and they want to finish in the high and in, in, in their own country, and, and probably in the Gallagher Premiership as well. It's an ego. To, to it's an ego thing, game. isn't
4: it? But like, I mean, it's it, certainly in the Irish context. It feels like they we're kind of shooting ourselves. Like I know um, against after the Saracens game a few years ago, Leinster did go on and ended up winning the Pro14 or whatever it was. At the time was in 2019, but uh, it didn't affect them too badly there. But like, there is a hangover to be had from it.
6: It is. It's difficult. Um, I think for probably for the French and the English, it's a little bit different because yeah. um, they feel slightly different than the Irish provinces do towards the, the European Cup. Um, as I said, their own domestic leagues have so much history as well, pr- particularly the one in France. I think that's that's as good as if not better to some of them in, in winning that over over a European Cup. Um, but it is hard and it's going to be hard for Leinster to pick themselves back up again. It's a totally different week. I was, you know, thinking back as um, e- even last weekend, just thinking the heartache of, of, of losing the emotion of that or the emotion and the joy of winning. It it's, There's a massive toll there. Even if you win, it's obviously easier to pick yourself up and La Rochelle have to go and play Leon away this weekend to try and make the playoffs. It's a big challenge for them to pick themselves up, celebrating for a few days on a mm. massive high. I think the only advantage to them is Leon won the Challenge Cup on Friday night as well. But it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, and, and it is a challenge for Leinster to pick themselves up. Luckily, they're at home against Glasgow tomorrow and, you know, they'll feel deflated. And it's hard. And we saw what happened Ulster earlier in the season when um, Toulouse knocked them out in the Round 16 game. You know, Munster went up there the week after and... and Ulster were flat. You Mm -hmm. can see they were drained. So it is, it does have a big emotional kind of roller coaster. But that sport, I don't think it's going to change, Adrian, because I don't think the French, particularly the French, will change.
4: No, they want uh, no the chance. final
6: of their league at, as the last game of the season
4: Yeah, they're only going the opposite way if anything the, uh, You watched, there's a brilliant Ronald O'Garrick column in the, probably one of his best I would say in the examiner this morning that details the last week and the run-in uh, to last weekend, it's quite brilliant I have to say and definitely worth checking out and he was on obviously with Gerrard yesterday at Ashling, picking through uh, the bones of his week as well I, which I know you saw a little bit of uh, we don't want to rehash the game again but any thoughts on the week that was for uh, one of your best buddies
6: I just think that and I said it at the start of the week um, you know I met him I met him and Leo Cullen and some of the other coaching staff before the game and I was intrigued I'm always intrigued what's going through the head the adrenaline rush the excitement the nervousness all that kind of stuff Um, you know you put so much time and effort into getting to this place and you kind of have one hand on the trophy and you know, I was standing back down around the tunnel area, just looking at different players from both sides, different coaches, and just thinking, you know, someone's gonna have that absolute joy and someone's gonna have that devastation. Mm. And I suppose the look, Raj made a very good point in his column that, you know, he's now people are saying he's this brilliant coach and he and he's he's talking it down saying he's not. It's you're only a small bit away from us questioning Ronan O'Gara this week and saying is, you know, is he is is he failing? Um, did he fail? He's lost three finals. Is there something up? What's going on? So the small margins in sport. This Leinster team are not going anywhere. And um, The same way Leo Cullen has done a fantastic job with Leinster in the last few years. Doesn't make him a bad coach, no. It's just small margins and sometimes a little bit of a swing in momentum and probably what stood out for me is how how strong and, and resilient uh, La Rochelle were maybe we all underestimated him a little bit um, and he, I, I've absolutely no doubt he had a massive effect and maybe the experiences of losing the two finals last year um, just gave him a, um, mm. a an incredible determination I, I love the fact that You know Gregory Aldre, who's still only 24, and he's been a brilliant player for France for the last couple of years. You see players mature, um, and and the way he kind of took the players aside and just had a five-minute chat about how what can happen and and what way you'll feel after this game, and you know it can spur people on. And they showed that they had an incredible hunger and desire. But they're a good team as well. Like La Rochelle don't have the superstars. Leinster, more balanced side. And um, if they played again this week, would, would Leinster win the game? Well, possibly, yes. I think the Shell got a lot of stuff right, particularly at the back end of that game. And look, there's no point in going and analysing the game again. This Leinster team are not going anywhere. I think they're going to come back stronger from this again well, can, can just I, because I... they lost.
4: Can I ask you just on that, Quinny? Now that you bring it up, right? Like in terms of where Leinster go from here, and in terms of the lessons that come from that game, and like he spoke obviously in detail after the game and subsequently about the watching the Connacht match and watching the Leicester game. Um, let Leinster have have it uh, have it outside, and you let them run with the ball. i.e. you let them. You're going to let them. You're going to lose the game. I think was his short story from that. Now look, I suppose most. It's not going to be new news to most coaches who are coaching against. Um, Leinster but it's laid out there now in black and white. How much encouragement does that give to the likes of a at Glasgow this weekend in terms of a template of how to beat Leinster?
6: It gives them some encouragement, but it's easier said than done. You've got to step up. There's going to be I would imagine um a kind of an angry aggressive reaction. We you know, we won't have the team till lunchtime, but mm. I'm sure Leinster will have to mix it up a little bit and get the balance right there about um you know, making some changes and freshening things a little bit, um, it'll give Glasgow probably hope because you know it's like it's like Adrian playing the All Blacks when they were World Cup winners and when they had that the great teams over the years winning the World Cup in eleven and fifteen, the dominance they had. How do you stop them? How do you compete with them? Well, you've got to be really physical. Um, slow down their ball and make sure you're on set. Beat. All the obvious things that you want to get right before a game, anyway. Um, Larry Shell got a lot of those things right. Can Glasgow do it tomorrow? Well, they'll have a little bit of hope out of that and they'll try and tap into the psychological um, kind of trauma that Leinster will experienced. But, you know, if you think that's going to win you a game, it's only a part of the game. Um, Being really up for yourselves, um, being ruthless, being accurate. They've got to go and perform like Glasgow tomorrow. And where it comes into play psychologically, if you can have a few hammer blows during the game, score the crucial stage, if Glasgow start well tomorrow, they kick a couple of penalties, if they nudge themselves in front, if they make it a real intense contest, um, You know, that'll give them hope going into the second half. And as a player in any sport, if you have that belief and hope, even an individual, you know, a golfer going into the last day and Sunday into a big championship, if you feel that your confidence is high and your self-belief is good, well, then it gives you a a chance of really kind of going at the back end of the match. And uh, But it's easier said than done. I think Lencer will react. um, Glasgow, when they've you know they've been inconsistent this year, they've lost eight games in the league. Not the Glasgow, maybe the dominant side that we saw a number of years ago, but they still have a lot of good internationals and they're a very dangerous side. So Leinster can't underestimate them. The comfort for Leinster is that it's at home and they would have been able to recover a bit better this week. But yeah. sport is funny and, and psychologically they will be hurting and they've got to pick themselves up. I think tomorrow, if they get through tomorrow, they can really recalibrate and... Yeah, you know visualise themselves lifting the trophy at the end that's what you want to do as a group and, and that would have been the challenge this week for them to get up but Glasgow will sense a little opportunity but if they think that's just going to win the game from psychologically they, they can, about they can it. come seriously on yeah. they've got to play
4: what uh, What did you say to him on the pitch beforehand I imagine it was like oh, this a, is obviously
6: pivotal in the victory I, I imagine
4: yeah. it was like a do it for Munster
6: <laughs> um, not do it for himself really look I, I, I'm at the end of the day, you know, people know I'm close to Raj and we, we have a great relationship. We're good friends. Um, I, I'm always intrigued by him. I said this openly, you know, rooming at Raj before a Heining Cup final in 2008, my nerves um, were shot to bits. We were worried about tickets. There's different people on to me on a Friday night looking for more tickets and this, that and the other. My experiences in 06 were different, obviously, with the injury Um, but I was really kind of just nervous and on edge. And you just talk to someone like him, he's always been a leader and he always intrigued me about his calmness. You know, I would have had a certain level of anxiety and even away from sport, he's just, he just seems to have a good balance and and, and view on things and has an ability to, uh, I've said this before, give you a clipping very easily, but also tell you he believes in you Mm. and, um, so what, what did I say? Very little. I just I was kind of intrigued about how calm he was, um, and how conf- confident not arrogant or cocky. Yeah. But I think, I, and I had a great chat with um, Victor Vito before the game on the sideline. They were nearly ready to go out, and um, I was just commiserating with him missed in a final because it's heartbreaking for any player to be that close and to miss out. I asked him why he played the week before because they needed to win the game against Stad, and he hadn't he had been injured before and hadn't played in a lot of games. And he told me that they had their best training week. Um so they created some sort of a buzz. I could sense a little bit of that. I didn't sense any kind of fatigue or fragility in Leinster's preparation or their body language. I, I you know, but I just thought Roger was really calm and just wished him luck. That was it. I yeah. um, you know, met his kids before the game and just thought, God, I the, people often ask, you know, do you miss it? you miss days like that finals the buzz the excitement Um, it was incredible and uh, he got it right on the day
4: that was class Um, Ulster Munster is a cracker of a way to kick off the weekend 7.35 tonight Belfast it's still time Gwenny, for the bemoaned Van Grand ticket to walk out of town with you know an air of ah look we did all right, Uh, but a loss tonight and it's all over and everybody's going to reflect on this in not that uh, amazing terms
6: yeah, it's. I was just thinking about it um, during the week, and um, there's a lot of pressure on both sides here. I think if Ulster lose, they would have lost. You know, went out to Toulouse in the round sixteen, losing a quarter final at home to Munster. Both those games at home to Munster, they'll finish on a real kind of negative. Um, and and you know, Dan McFarlane is there next year. Johan van Grand, Stephen Larkham are not, and if they lose up in, in Belfast, Munster, well, there'll be criticism, won't there? It'll be, it'll be a tough one to take and it'll be a disappointing way to end. Um, you know, there's been four semifinals and one final in the last five years, I think, for, for Munster and it's been disappointing. Um, I hope it doesn't happen. Obviously, I want Munster to win. Um, I think it'd be, I just don't want it to happen to Johan van Grand that he goes out like that. Um, Again, there's no sentiment or um, you know, perfect scenario in sport when you're finishing up. No. Call um, it for us. But there's pressure Yeah, there's pressure on them and, and you know, they get well paid and, and that's that's that's, that's yeah. where you're at. But it's um it's a tough game for both sides. I think there's probably more more pressure on Munster to, to get through here, which is very difficult. They're the only side to beat Ulster in the league there this year, but um I think this will be more challenging than the league game we saw a few weeks ago. All
4: right. We'll look at we'll see. and and in a word.
6: In a word. <laughs> Jeez. Um I'm going to Oof. say monster. right you're not convinced though, that's fair monster. enough
4: we'll pick through the bones of it early next week when you enjoy the games over the weekend good man cheers lads thanks, thanks. God, as always uh, here's what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio over the course of the day one o'clock uh, it is uh, Catherine Switzer it's the subject of OTB Gold Friday Night Racing with Johnny and crew at 3 o'clock yeah
5: Michael O'Callaghan interesting, interesting guy
4: uh, Owen Heary uh, Shelburne's Owen Heary at 4 o'clock Team 33 League of Ireland legend Ronnie Delaney at 6 and then follow off the ball across all of our social channels you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well and download the OTB Sports app uh, the big moment is almost upon us no escaping it at this stage But Team OTB are taking on Triathai this Sunday it's all in partnership with Whoop the personalised digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential and you can see Whoop.com for much more on all of that during the ad break you're going to see our final prep uh, with the uh, triathlete Carolyn Hay filling us up with uh, much-need confidence, and especially myself, that we're all going to need. Uh, wish us luck in this endeavour, and we'll see you back after these. OTB AM. All right, it is a quarter past nine. You're watching OTB AM, and uh, we're delighted to have you with us. There are uh, loads of comments coming in. We'll try and get to some of them before we leave you this morning. I particularly want to get Colin back in studio in a little bit because there's uh, loads of reaction to his points about uh, his buddies. Cheering on being anti leinster essentially. So we'll get to all of that in a little bit. And uh as I said, do keep a comments coming into us over the course uh of the remainder of the show. You are watching OTBAM. We're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. So that's the story there. Michael Burton, good morning to you. Welcome to studio.
0: Good morning. How, How are you, you keeping Dad? Very good. Very good.
4: We're um you're you're taking on an unbelievable challenge, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. That uh you know, in my darkest nightmares, I couldn't imagine to have to do. Um, to, to get yourself there, which is 32 Iron Man's, Iron Men, what's the official? So I'm
0: doing 32 half Iron right. So that's a 2K swim, a 90K cycle, and a half marathon. And am doing consecutively consecutively in every county
5: that's oh. only half like
0: I know exactly that's uh, a people uh, keep <laughs> people keep saying Iron Man and I'm like it's actually a half
5: but
4: I mean still you know uh,
0: I, I
5: got my mother like Paddy Riley a song for every county when I was younger as one of these last ditch Christmas events so he has a song for like every county in Ireland this probably upstages it I think I
4: think it does yeah. a little bit what are the logistics that go into planning where exactly you're going to do these things
0: Yeah, uh, it's quite difficult um so originally I thought I'd be able to get like a camper van and maybe like get it sponsored so at the moment I'm more kind of looking at like air and hotels to stay in and then just get a van and like travel around um, that's probably the hardest bit about it, right. Is the, the logistics b- the,
4: the run bit and the swim bit uh, sorry the run bit and the cycle bit are grand yeah. you can do them anywhere yeah. but the swim bit obviously needs a little exactly, bit of yeah
0: so you need to find like in midlands you need to find like lakes or uh, rivers so I pretty much got on to every single triathlon club in the country okay. and there's one pretty much in every county so they, always, they must have places to train so I got them to kind of help me out with where I'd be doing a swim or you know what route I could take so I'm trying to keep it as easy as possible because I'm doing consecutive days so low intensity um, and you know try to keep runs and cycles as flat as possible
4: we were talking <laughs> Sh- yeah, yeah definitely good good, yeah. good, good planning good planning yeah. we were talking to Sean O'Hara last November and he had done he was doing it for Movember as well actually yeah, one yeah. of his charities and uh, he was he had, was it 31 marathons in 31 days something yeah yeah was, yeah
0: I actually went out and ran with him one of the really? days yeah so um one of the girls Aoife from November, as well has kind of put me in contact with him or is going to put me in contact with him but yeah. uh, he's doing well he's doing all this stuff now as well so.
4: We'd spoken to him a couple of times during it and it was just like the physical thing was obviously one aspect of it but also the mental thing of you know you're getting up every morning and you're back into the same thing and like the aches and pains you can probably run through to a degree what's your expectation of the physical side of it is it is it beca- like because it's different sports is it a bit easier to manage or
0: um, Well I suppose Like the biggest bit of it is the cycle and there's no impact or less very little impact on that Mm. so like if I have to run if I have to walk the half marathon I'll walk it every day Uh, I'm not trying to do it for speed I'm more trying to just get it done every single day Um, and I think hopefully getting in the water every day will help with recovery as well but I have um, one of my sponsors in Bray is giving me like those recovery boots to bring along with me Okay. so Off Grid in, in Bray have given me them so they'll help help as well so yeah
4: and you're open to by the sounds of things anybody else who wants
0: to get involved and give a bit of support yeah 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 exactly yeah I have some really good sponsors I have two sponsors um, Hardy Partnership and Dunlargan uh, Construction who are like helping me out Actually, make it happen. So, you know, giving me money for expenses and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, anyone who wants to get involved, please do.
4: Please do. And if you need to get in contact with us, and we can put people in contact with you as well. We've just been looking at some um, footage there as you were chatting away of your journey and, and where you've been at. Uh, and you are getting ready. I need to mention this before we go any further. You're getting ready for Tray obviously, this weekend. I am indeed. I, like the rest of us. Sorry, Ish. Yeah. Where, where, where are you at? Like, I've done. Uh, <laughs> I've done. I've done a little bit of training, but maybe not that much. I'm just doing the swim leg. Um, I, where are you at now? Are you is it yeah, all prep is done? Yeah, So I did and,
0: my last session this morning before coming in here. So exactly. I went in. I, it was just like a one k swim in the pool. Right. So got straight.
4: There. I mean, I, you you do that in one go.
0: Uh, I did sets of hundreds and then okay. so like uh, builds. So like starting slow and then so three easy, three medium three hard and then like a little cool down Good swimmer? I was a good swimmer yeah I kind of came back to swimming at like a beginning of lockdown when I kind of came back to Ireland um, but yeah I'm, I'm a decent enough swimmer
4: um, yeah well, well look at we, uh, the yeah. famous words of the great man we'll see you out there yeah. uh, I don't know uh, I Briefly. don't know what sort of shape we'll be in well you won't see me for long that is for sure you'll be gone
0: you're on Sunday aren't
4: you uh, Sunday you're probably doing the proper race on yeah, Saturday yeah. I'm doing the proper race I'm doing <laughs> it's the, like the Eagits arrive dub- out on Sunday morning
0: yeah so you're doing a 250 metre swim That's and I'm
5: exactly. doing 3k Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 3k swim
0: yeah
4: um, th- that's uh, if you're th- those bursts obviously that 100 metre burst or whatever how does that work in terms of a 3k swim
0: Can you uh, t- no I can't hold it for that long
4: right so yeah. you d- at some point you know that you have to take a bit of a breather in the water is that it or what well
0: no what I'll do is I'll just pick a kind of pace to go at so okay. somewhere in that like 1 minute 50 range per okay. 100 metres and just try steadily go at that for the whole
4: 150 swim 150 for 100 metres right 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 okay be somewhat quicker than me, I'd say. Even, go, even <laughs> taking her time, I'd be... Uh, I be, can't s- swim at all. That's
7: something I need to
4: get into. Um, take us back, will you, to the start of your journey. You're from Enniskerry and mm-hmm. you have You were very sporty, I think, when you were younger and then there was yeah. a bit
0: of a break. Take us back to Enniskerry when you were younger. Yeah, so as a kid, I would have been very sporty, like done all sports, um, GAA, soccer, rugby, athletics. I was only thinking about this on the way in and I think I'd played... You know, num- a number of sports until I was about 15, 16, uh, like Gaelic football and, and rugby. And then I chose rugby and then gave up when I was about 17, like going into sixth year, just gave up rugby. Um, and then just had, I suppose, a, a period of time there where I was just extremely unhealthy, it was like dealing with a lot of mental health things. And that kind of brought me up to pretty much the beginning of lockdown. So some people, I suppose, went into lockdown and You know, it was bad for them. For me personally, it was actually a great thing. Like I started working from home. That you know, nominate people to do five K challenge started, and that got me back running again. Um, And then I actually lost my job over in London and had to come back home. Um, And I didn't have a car, so I started cycling everywhere. And I was close to Bray again, so I started swimming again. And then it kind of just went from there. And I was like, oh, I'll do an Ironman straight off the bat, uh, which was torture. I did that down in Killarney. So it was like the ring of Kerry and it was a scorching hot day and it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I said, do you know what, I'm going to do 32 half ones of these in 32 days and do it for charity. If, so
5: if, if, we need to, like, if we need to stop burning fossil fuels and change the way we live, and I've just thought about this the other day, we would be no less happy doing the things that nature basically allows us to and everything you did swimming running cycling is all in tune with nature and doing natural things that are good for you you don't need to do fancy things you don't need to be mega wealthy to be happy like
0: yeah i think that's definitely something that is it's such a such a it's such a good point like my where i am now compared to where i was then especially not like living in london in that kind of Rat race. Rat race epicenter. Like I'm much happier doing what I'm doing now. Like I left my nine to five job in an office in January and just went kind of working on a golf course like out in the open every single day up early Um, and my whole mindset and mood has just gone to a whole different level. I'm just in a much better place now than I ever was before.
4: Um, you mentioned, uh, was it about 18, that you noticed some sort of mental health issues had yeah. popped up. Was that around Leaving Cert time or what was Yeah,
0: the- it was Leaving Cert time. Like <laughs> My mum will tell you that I didn't really put too much effort into the Leaving Cert. I was more concerned about my six-year holiday. But, um, yeah, that sort of time, I suppose um, I would have been struggling quite a lot with... In kind of self-worth and like where like who I was in w- regards to like my friend group and mm-hmm. whether or not I even wanted to be here to be honest um so that whole kind of and I would have used like drink and kind of partying as like a, a release rather than just going out and having a run and using more I suppose better better ways to combat like my mental health issues. Now, exercise isn't like a fix all for like mental health. I must say that, but it definitely is a way in which to help it, rather than going out and drinking all the time. Did, did that?
4: Was that something that was bubbling up for you, and suddenly you yeah. realised it,
0: or was it, so it? was more. Yeah, it was something that I would have had probably from like, probably probably from a young enough age of like fourteen. Um, but I was I was doing a lot of sport then, and when I gave everything up, like everything just went completely off the rails for me. Up until I was about 23,
5: 24. It's a lot of a, an awful challenge for young people as well when they leave school, mm. and the, that progression from being a, basically a kid to an adult, where yeah. the real world is there.
0: I think it's really, really difficult for people. So much pressure is put on people to know what they want to do, mm. to go into certain jobs, to even the leaving cert. even the leaving cert. Oh. Like, but like so much pressure is put on, and I and it's and sometimes it's not even pressure from other people; it's just societal pressure, and then you end up putting it on yourself. Um, and you know you're looking at your friends doing certain things. You're like, why am I doing that, or why don't I enjoy doing that? And then it just kind of rolls over and rolls over.
4: Talk to us a little bit about that spiral nature because I think like the point about the Leaving Cert is so important particularly given the time of the year that we're at right mm-hmm. now and the number of people out there who are who are having these battles themselves and mm-hmm. like we had Sean O'Hara uh, uh, in and he was talking about that thing of not having the toolbox or the yeah. communication, the the ability to be able to talk to people and, and communicate that stuff Can you talk to us a little bit about your experience because I think people will get something from it Michael if you don't mind, just in terms of that spiral and like you mentioned about You know, um, your friend group and that that type of thing. How that uh, played out for you over that period of time?
0: I suppose for me, it just a lot of it was just so irrational, like irrational thoughts that I didn't have the tools to deal with, to understand, and put things into perspective, and like to take a kind of take a step back and be like, actually, no, this is what's actually happening, and this is what I'm perceiving that's happening, and that's a huge thing for I think young Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. like. Um, it's just, I think nowadays in, in the environment that we have and the society that we have, it's just so important for young people to actually learn about what's real and what's not real because there's so much stuff for teenagers that they see and they perceive it to be real because they don't know what's actually real and what's not real on social media and stuff like that. And this creates just an unhealthy environment for people moving up through the world and into kind of adulthood about what's actually real and what's not real. And for me, I just struggled with understanding even within my friend group around, you know, what was actually happening and what I was perceived happening and what I was kind of, what my head was telling me rather than what was actually the case.
4: Yeah. And you mentioned earlier on that it got very bad for you. You, Yeah. You 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 weren't sure if you wanted to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I did make attempts at my life um, on a number of occasions. which I look back at now and just think you know that was so silly like I have amazing friends I have amazing family Um, I've got an amazing group of people around me now and I had all those people there but I just didn't open my mouth or like seek any sort of help whatsoever around you know speaking out about like the issues that I was having and um a problem and it's so cheesy to say but like a problem shared is a problem halved and like the minute I started to open up even to like my friend group or family stuff just became a lot better Um, and then when I went and got like kind of went in and did like different sort of like courses like CBT and different things like that it just my my whole outlook on life just became so much better
5: you get wrapped up as well in your own kind of thing and yeah. like it just becomes so big but like everyone has an issue like everyone in this world has some sort of an issue and we're all we're all just like plugging along at times and yeah. you've got to appreciate that like it is so easy to say it's you know talk
0: and talking is good and that but it really is like it really really is even yeah. to your friend like I can't I can't stress it enough like and it's that it's that thing that happens sometimes where it's like a, this like negative loop in your head and it can just go on and on and on like it can go on for weeks or it can go on for days it doesn't It doesn't really have a time frame and it'll have a weight. exactly and it just has this weight and it just like brings you down and makes you tired and just stresses you out and the sooner you can just be like like sit somebody down and say this is what's going on like the, the better it becomes straight away
4: uh, do you remember the first conversation you had so the importance of speaking and talking to somebody about it yeah but but that moment of going, I need help, or I need to talk about this thing. Do you remember the first conversation you had about yeah, it? Yeah,
0: first conversation I had was with my mom, and then the second conversation I had was with um, a couple of my friends on different occasions, but like within the same time mm-hmm. frame.
4: And was your mom going, "Okay, I get it now"? Or what was the? Um, was it, was it just in, again, in terms of people that are that are tuned in and interested in that area of it, and
0: yeah, what? I yeah, she was probably like, yeah, like. W- she was probably a bit worried and then a bit concerned and then uh, even at that time when I had of talked about it like there was a time frame after that where I probably got a little bit worse rather than get mm-hmm. better like got better where I probably went even more off the rails mm-hmm. um, which I'd say for her was quite um, stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then kind of when I moved away to London and that whole rat race that was a whole different aspect to where I kind of was mentally um, but now like, just, um, I'd say she's probably looking at me and saying, just thank God, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I'm not there.
4: And, um, what, what, I uh, do you have to obviously keep keep up your mental health and the exercise thing, like you say, helps. Yeah. There's probably, I'm sure, there's a load of little sort of bits and pieces that you can be doing, yeah. so that's the sort of thing you need to check in with yourself, I presume, every now and then, and just say, where am I yeah. at? And
0: yeah, like, um, I just try to do things, I try to have a routine, like, every single day, um, I've just. I suppose being grateful for everything that you have and everything that you can do even just taking like five minutes to just you know say three things that you're grateful for in a day helps
4: Somebody once said to me that, like, that, you know, even in terms of this business and the, you know, feedback loop that you get, or people giving you bits of feedback, or or criticism at times, or whatever, you only have to look at the YouTube comments, as more and you'll get a sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But that uh, no YouTube commenter would be as harsh on you as you are yourself. Mm-hmm. That that sort of inner speak can be pretty cutting at times, which I think is uh, yeah. something that people don't often uh, don't often communicate about.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You you are definitely your own hardest critic. I've definitely found that, like, even like when different situations would happen and I'd be like stressing out about what I might have said or mm. how I was around somebody and then I'd say it to a friend and they'd be like what are you talking about yeah there? it's not how it, 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 it's not how it was it's had funny
5: as well in lockdown when you saw the amount of people who had started like sea swimming and mm. cycling or running and realizing oh my god like mm. the to get into the water for 2 minutes like mm. when it's cold without even swimming you come out and all your problems have actually just gone
0: it's I, amazing i have never i, I every, every time i say this and, like i go to like the seafront and like I'd be with a friend or something and they'd, they'd be like, oh, I don't really want to get in. I'd be like, you never regret a sea swim. Mm. Yeah. Just get in and get out. Like you, mm. It's like the, the
4: worst it. part is that like 10 seconds just before you get in.
0: Yeah.
5: even the getting
4: in bit is not the worst it's no, just that
5: no once aerosol. you once you get in in February or March it's actually when you're in the water yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the colder it is the better you feel afterwards and yeah. like I've been saying this we need to get like solar showers at all these spots so that you can get in and have a hot shower afterwards and just get rid of that fear because I, I, it's an amazing experience like you go in with a million problems and half of them are gone when you come out yeah
0: they need shelters as well at all these places and like places where you can have like secure like leave your stuff yeah do you know yeah. what I mean um, and it's free, and it's and free, it's free like.
4: Have you um, Sean again? When we were talking to him last last November, was talking about the idea that once he started speaking about it, I think this might be the first time you've spoken about it in this type of a platform. Yeah. So you might be sort of prepared for this bit. But have you found that he found that other people would come and chat to him and open up themselves? Yeah. About where they were at. Have you found?
0: Yeah, I I, I would have found that a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um. And I and I I'm, I suppose I haven't been shy about it put it up on like any of my social platforms as well like I've put up videos talking about it and talking about like where I was at headspace wise and and other things like that so um, and I put out a promo video for this and I talk about Mm -hmm. it in that um as a whole. So yeah.
5: isn't, that, isn't that amazing progression where you went from like being unable to look after yourself to suddenly helping all loads, loads of other people. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's a great journey.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well that's the power and uh uh of having an open honest conversation like this. So uh-huh. we really appreciate you coming in. We should yes. have this slot
5: now every day like where we kind of like self help kinda self help,
4: you know? yeah, yeah, Well you could lead the way on that Johnny. <laughs> Jigsaw, Movember and the Irish Cancer Society are the three charities that you're raising money they for are, Yeah, yeah what there'll be plenty of people watching this morning who'll want to get involved what's your uh, tell them where they should go
0: yeah yeah so I have uh, I have on my Instagram I have um, my link tree so that has an I donate link so the money put into there would be split between all three charities I also have a website up um, the 32 32 32 32 challenge um, where it has like a little brief around everything you can get links to my socials as well I do have an Instagram page for the challenge but I don't have access to it at the moment because uh, Instagram locked me out for some reason so I'm having a a bit of a row with them about trying to get back into that I was posting all my workouts every single day Um, but yeah that's where you'll get me and Michael Nile Burton is my personal page, I'm posting stuff on there as well.
4: Great, and look, people who are watching will be following us as well, so we'll put out that uh, on our own social accounts over the course of the afternoon as well. Uh, Thanks Amelia for coming in, thanks for being so honest, and um, we're going to keep uh, tracking things with you over the next while as well and we will see you in a Thai course, is the uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow, bright and early Good man. Well listen,
4: best of look at that. Michael Burton, thanks a million for coming into us. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers. There's a few comments coming into us. Uh there's a good message. Too many young people party to escape reality. One of them that's a bit of a sense of what's coming in uh from Michael there. Uh plenty of other comments coming in about the rugby that we did want to get Coleman's studio for, but he's flat refused. He's not coming in to face the uh, feedback from the audience uh, Cameron Oshin here on YouTube says Cullum's a bit. this was a comment earlier on about the whole Munster Leinster thing of the course of the show. Uh, Cullum's a bitter fella I don't know how he. T- how I don't get how he doesn't want an Irish side to do well for example I'm so happy that three quarters of the Irish provinces have made it to the URC quarterfinals Uh, just (laughs) just bitter I should put the earpiece on the microphone just to hear the feedback that's coming here just bitter behaviour that column if uh, Leinster got knocked out I'd be supporting Munster or Ulster and not some random foreign side column there's a lot of language coming through here uh Cameron and I can't very well repeat, uh, but he's challenging the notion of, of what you said there.
5: That's uh this reminds me of that there was a talk show when I was living in New York, and he the talk show guy like very abrasive character, but he get into a debate with the guy who called in. And when it got heated, he just turn him off, right? And he just asked him a load of rhetorical questions. But your man was actually cut off, so he couldn't reply. And it sounded like he was so dumbfounded. But his tactic was like, okay, turn him off. I'll put three questions at you, followed by silence to make me win the arguments. Column's not here I like anymore. That. I like that dynamic. Yeah. Column's just N-
4: gone. Nigel Gallagher, uh, the last one. Don't know much about rugby, but it's not kind of cutting off your nose spite your face, given if Lencer are doing badly. It means it's probably a uh, reflection of the prospects of the national side. I mean, Colin, you should listen to the audience. They, they make a lot of sense. They make a lot of sense. Again, a lot of language coming through there. Uh, He refutes that idea, Nigel. That's uh, that's the... Short story of that. It's bank holiday. We all need it. It's uh, 9.36. Thanks for being with us this morning. You have been watching O'TBAM. brought to you live every morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're back on Tuesday morning, of course, to bank holiday. Uh, the two big dogs are in town. It'll be Nathan alongside Ger in studio where we're going to look back on long weekends of uh, GA football and the rugby, course. And we will, if we're all still uh, alive and well, uh, be discussing the triathons as well
5: there's a, a big ambition there like Just let's to get through, to through the it, swim yeah. 250 <laughs> metres OTB
6: AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar